You're listening to Review and Preview on Facebook Live. How's it going, guys? Welcome to another episode of Review and Preview. I'm your host, Hank and Dichter, and today we have got Johnny Montalbano back for another jam-packed episode. We have a lot to talk about, and I'm pretty excited. But for now, Johnny, how's it going? Hey, Hank, I'm doing great. It's great to be back on with you again. Um, I'm, I'm doing wonderful. You know, there's so much to talk about. You know, this, these are the kind of days that we live to do this, this show. A couple of weeks ago when you and I were on together, I was wondering what we were going to be able to talk about in the middle of March, given the circumstances. And now we've got so much, we might almost set a record for how long we could be, we could do this today. But I'm, I'm happy. I'm glad to be on with you. Oh, for sure. I'm really excited. But folks, before we get into any of the big stuff going on, I'd like to give you a friendly neighborhood reminder. Don't forget to follow us on all of our social medias. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Review and Preview Sports. And of course, if you want to see more of our content, Please don't forget to hit that big red button down below. Give us a subscribe, give us a like, and give us a comment. We want to hear your thoughts, please. A lot's going on. I want to hear from all you guys. I expect this comment section to be blowing up. But first and foremost, I think the first set of news we have to talk about, Tom Brady is coming out of retirement, and oh my gosh, this set the sports world ablaze. Amazing. Right as we were trying to enjoy Selection Sunday, we can't go one minute without NFL chaos. <laughs> yeah, Hank, you can't be surprised, though, right? No, I'm not. <laughs> I mean, maybe the timing could have been a little bit more surprising, but the way it was done via his uh, social media post, I mean, that's just the sign of the times. That's how he originally retired. Mm-hmm. Um, but the news, not really much of a surprise to me because I don't think there's ever a question if Brady – could play another year or two. It's that if he want is that if he wanted to play another year or two, and I don't think he wanted to go out on that sour note against the Rams in the in the playoffs. So for him to come back for another year, he probably also looks at it as well as you look at the conference. You know, the NFC is not a strong conference, no. so he could come back if Tampa could shore up uh, their line and they bring back pretty much. a good core of their players that they've had before, he probably realized that, heck, you know what? I can make another run at another Super Bowl. So why not? Health's never been been the thing with Brady. He's had one major injury in his entire Mm -hmm. career. So it's not a factor that. He's looked at 44. He's looked as as good as as he has before. So there's no signs of him slowing down. So, yeah, it's not really a surprise. I think the surprise really was just that he – kind of became like Brett Favre 2.0 in the fact that, you know, he retired and then he's like, ah, you know what? Maybe I don't want to retire. I do want to come back. I love the part though, at the end of his um, 
post saying that I've got unfinished business because really what else does Tom Brady have to do in his career, right? I mean, seven Super Bowls, he's been to 10. I mean, he's got numbers that I don't think we're ever going to see any quarterback put up again, even with the extended season now of 17 games. So it's quite a ride. I'm just hoping that, you know, as a football fan, that Brady doesn't come back and get injured and, you know, he drags out the last year or two of his career. Because if he's coming back for next year, Hank, I don't think he's coming back just for next year. You know what I'm saying? I think he'll right. come back. He's going to go back for come back for, I'd say, at least two more runs at it. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. And that's funny you mentioned it. Unfinished business. You know he's the GOAT when apparently he he's in his mid-40s and he claims that he has unfinished business. Yeah, for sure. Because <laughs> what else does he have to do? I mean, it, the rides, it's been remarkable. I just don't think he wants to go out on that sour note against against the Rams. You know, when he has when they were behind as much as they were and then having to make a ferocious comeback. So, you know, he as I said, he looks at it and you look at the uh, NFC going into next season. He probably looks at it and says, well, what's my competition? You know, I'm in a division in the NFC South going into next year. He's got two teams that right now are have quarterback struggles. The Saints really, I mean, what's their quarterback situation? The Panthers quarterback situation is a mess. And the Falcons right now, they've lost three of their big wide receivers going into next into next season. You know, they no longer have Julio Jones. We know about Calvin Ridley being suspended and mm-hmm. Russell Gage, one of their other wide receivers, they lost him to the Bucks. So even the Falcons, who have been rumored to get to Sean Watson, they may be go- they might be going into a different direction too. And then you look at the rest of the NFC. I I mean I think you can name Dallas, even though they might they're transitioning a little bit too, and the Packers. So that NFC, he looks at it and I'm like, I don't even need to be that dominant, and I could still pull off an eight, nine, ten win season and get into the playoffs and make another run, right? Yeah, no. Again, that's that's straight up goat talk. I'm really listen, even though I'm not the biggest Brady fan. You know from our discussions that I am more than willing to acknowledge his greatness. And regardless of what he's saying, like, I'm still very intrigued to see what his comeback will look like. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. There will be some interesting storylines. And who knows? Maybe he gets, maybe that whole thing, he will have a Michael Jordan, I took that shit personally moment, leading the Buccaneers to glory. But we got our first comment of the day, Tom Scavetta. Tom, how's it going, my guy? What's up, Dream Team? Green team. Oh, I like that. When Tom Scavetta says that, I feel honored. That's awesome. Thanks, Tom. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, for sure. And, um, yeah, I think very much big big storyline. And speaking of which, I think this is a good segue to bring up that one of the first things the Buccaneers did to help out Tom Brady was bring in his old teammate. They traded a fifth-round pick to the New England Patriots for – Shaq Mason, the guard. I think that was an absolute steal by the Buccaneers. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that Bill Belichick was willing willing to just get rid of him like that. But then again, when you look at the way Bill Belichick has dealt, he's kind of a hard guy to really figure out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And like we said, you know, the Bucks. One of the interesting factors when when once the Brady decided to come back, Hank was they had 24 players that are free agents, so they have to try and decide, you know, with their situation, who they want to bring back and also their core, their core players to help Brady out. 
You know, they've they lost one of their their offensive linemen. Uh, we all know that line does need a little bit of help because Brady was was getting hit hard by that Rams defense in the uh, in the playoffs. So that's going to be something to watch. But you know, like, like I said, you know, it's he comes back into a situation here with the Bucks that he doesn't even need to you know pull off a twelve or thirteen win season. He could pull it off by accident and not play his best and maybe make another deep run. Another thing that happened, uh, Ryan Jensen, the safety of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, re-signed immediately. Yeah. yeah, that really goes to show you the effect that Tom Brady has on a team. Yeah, now you wonder if all those other guys that are that are still out there, they now see that Brady's coming back. Because the thing was, if Brady, if this was true, that this was going to be it, we were hearing names about Blaine Gabbert being oh who's there going there Deshaun Watson could have been even rumored to go there they're even you know we were even thinking about the possibility of Kyler Murray because so because of the reports that he was unhappy with the Cardinals maybe him being an option you would have wondered what direction they would have gone in because they still had some very valuable very good players on that team so what about the other guy they drafted Trask oh Kyle Trask from Florida yes yep but now you now now they see that Brady's back and they saw what he was able to put up. And it's not like, you know, Brady was out, is out for a year. The retirement lasted all of 39 days. So they see that and I'm like, hey, listen, you know what? I have a good shot to come back here. Unfortunately, with a lot of these players, these athletes, they like to go where the money is. They When they say they want to win, they they I'm sure they do want to win, but they want the money. But they, they see now that Brady's coming back and they see the situation. And if I'm a player, I'm seeing, I'm looking at that conference and I'm like, I have a great chance to win here. The one thing, the other thing you would have to look at with the Bucks going forward into next season now with Brady is, even though they're in a favorable conference, they do have a challenging schedule going into next season. Oh yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, who do I mean, they? Their opponent they list play is on very, very challenging. What's that? I'm going to look that up. Who do they play on week one? Well, I, the the actual schedule itself hasn't come out, but the opponents that the Bucks are playing next year is going to be is what the test is. I think they're playing. Oh yeah, that's right. Sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah. They're playing the AFC West. If I'm, if, if, if that is true, I'm going to, I'm going to double check that right now, but I believe they get, yeah, I'm looking at it right Ooh. now here. Oh, that's huge. Right. So probably going to play the chiefs or the chiefs, the, the, the chargers and the, and the Broncos are going to be the three tough ones on that schedule. Yeah. So, Let's see. So they they take on the Cowboys, the Chiefs, and the Packers, as well as the Bengals, as well as the the Rams again. Mm-hmm. Now, now, granted, you know they do have, their their division is very favorable. So you have to think in that situation they're going. You know what the thing is? Brady can almost come back this year, and this could almost be like the Patriots of old because the rest of that division is not that good. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I again. I think that makes that's that's. I think that ultimately may be one of the real reasons he wanted to come back. I know Nick on uh, tricks and picks. Shout out Nick D if you're watching this. Mm-hmm. He said it was was jokingly saying it's on lines of, oh, I'm home with the wife. Ah, I'm I'm getting bored of being home. I want to come back and play. No, oh, no, no, that's no, no, been no. out there. I know the high gas prices, possibly even though he's in Florida. Maybe maybe that, that has something to do with it, but I don't know. I think. A lot of these goat athletes have that 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 side in them where they're extremely, I guess you could say, addicted to competition. I mean, again, look at the story of Michael Jordan as as examples. 
Tom yeah. Brady just loves competition. My favorite quote from Tom Brady, by the way, is every year, like someone asks him, what was your favorite ring? And he always goes the next one. <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, thing, got- and what, what Tom Brady does also, Hank, is, mm-hmm. and you've seen, and we could compare this now to other quarterbacks and what they do, is he doesn't, his, he doesn't take a 50, like a 30, 40, $50 million salary compared to these other guys and his cap hits are not major. So that like the Patriots and the Bucks can go out and get receipt, get, get receivers, get running backs, get guys on, on both lines of scrimmage and fill out a team to help Brady out too. Like if you look at, I'm trying to see what his um, going into his age 45 season, he's making, he's going to be making nine, just under $9 million. That's what's that's what's amazing. So in 2022, at age 45, he's making un, his base salary is under nine million dollars. Now you compare that to some of the other guys, especially in the news that we've heard this week, whether it's been Aaron Rodgers or Kirk Cousins, or even what um, Patrick Mahomes makes. You know, they make so much money that you have a tough time filling out the roster with other guys that could really help you out. So Brady doesn't. You necessarily do it for the money, unlike these other guys, and it allows you to fill out your rosters and stuff. And that's part of the reason also why you're so successful with his with his teams. Right. And I think part of the reason he does that is because, one, he wants to win at this point. And two, he gets a lot of endorsements elsewhere. He knows he's getting money from other places. He doesn't need to take he doesn't need to take a giant payday from an NFL team. And again, I think that's mad smart. And folks, by the way, let's uh, get to some of the comments. We we have a lot of them coming. Oh wow! Away. Awesome. Let's fire away. Nick Morgison, what's up, Hank and Johnny? You guys are great, great together. Thank you, Nick. Nick. I appreciate Absolutely. your comment. Thank you for tuning in. How's it going? Good to hear from Nick, my uh, my colleague over there on uh, my podcast, which we'll get to. Uh, Tom goes Shaq Mason to the Bucks. Have him, Jensen, and Werfs. Not a terrible line. Not sure if they still have dominance. Donovan Smith. Yes, they do have Donovan Smith. And yeah, that's that's a good point. That's a really good offensive line. And uh, now we'll be healthy. Because those those latter two, Jensen and Werfs, I mean, they were hurt. And that was a big fit. That was part of the factor that helped the Rams beat the Bucks in the postseason. Now we'll get to John Suggs' comments. John asks, is Julio Jones done? I, I had a feeling that trade was going to come back and hurt the Titans. I didn't expect him to release him when they did that, that was, that was surprising to me. And you wonder, could he go to Tampa now? Oh no, no. Don't, imagine. Don't I even mean, speak that into the possibility. Well, that's something to look at. And now you look at some of these retired guys uh, as well. If they want to come out for one year, I mean, I post, I was telling you before we started, there was somebody posted a video of Rob Gronkowski in a Tampa barbershop talking about him going back to the Bucks. I mean, that, that makes total sense because Gronkowski, not to take anything away from his career, but I believe he is a product of Tom Brady. So it's it's like with Rodgers and um, Devontae Adams. So yeah, it, no, it, may, sure. it makes a lot of sense. You know, Gronk also doesn't need to play a full 17-game season. You know, if he gets hurt, he misses a couple of games. As long as he's healthy down the stretch there for Tampa, I mean, it, it, it can't hurt. He's also on the wrong side of 30, Julio Jones, so – I think definitely there's reason to be concerned about him being done. So who knows right there? And uh, let's talk, let's go through his, his other comments. I know a lot of talk about Watson to the saints, Panthers, Browns, 
A, Saints don't have the salary or picks. I agree. I don't think the Saints are really a realistic possibility. B, Mayfield didn't do too bad. And remember, he played hurt all year and still won. Yeah, that, that's another good point. And C, the Panthers have the salary and need a quarterback. I mean, I think it makes a lot of – I think the Panthers makes the most sense. I think if uh, Matt Rule is going to have a chance to redeem himself and look at Matt Rule's, like, records with coaching he doesn't he usually struggles in year one and year two this is going back to when he was with temple and baylor it's usually year three where he figures it out so i think if there's ever a time for them to fix their quarterback problems i think now would be the time with regards to getting getting to sean watson but that said i still think the panthers have have some uh, work to do to to fix their team of those, well, here's here's what I'll say about Sean Watson. Number one, I mm-hmm. don't buy for a second you can get. I know the asking price from the Texans is three first round picks. They're not going to get three first round picks for Deshaun no. Watson. And why would a team give up that amount of cap draft capital for a guy who has not played in a year? I had this debate with somebody on Twitter this past week about him, and yes, he's not played in a year, and yes, he's not taken any hits to the body and stuff. But still, you know. You have not been on a football field in a year, in over a year. You're going to be rusty, and yeah, he's young and stuff. But I, I don't think it's realistic to think that he's going to be able to put up the numbers that he did down in Houston after being out for a year. Of now, of those three teams—the Saints, the Panthers, and the Browns—I think it makes the most sense for Carolina to go after him because their quarterback situation. As somebody who lives down here in South Carolina, you know the Panthers get most of the talk down. Well, not really, but as the pro the, the pro talks about the Panthers and I'll tell you following a lot of their games, their quarterback situation in 2021 was among the worst in football. You know, whether they were paying three different quarterbacks last year, whether it was Sam Darnold or PJ Walker, they were so desperate. They brought back Cam Newton. That's how bad it was. Now Cam Newton, you could bring back if you want as a backup, but if you don't have to give up three first-round picks, which I don't think you have to, if I'm the Panthers, I absolutely give it a shot because, you know, the quarterback situation is so bad. And if I get half of what Deshaun Watson was like for the Panthers, that's an upgrade. I'm also looking not to get off topic, but I'm also looking if you're the Panthers. If you get if you can get a decent round pick for Christian McCaffrey, I think you have to consider getting rid of him too and starting over. I know McCaffrey's the face of that franchise. You know, he's a darling there, but. You know, it's kind of like Saquon Barkley. You know, he, he he can't stay on the field. He's always he's always hurt. He's had moments before, but yeah, those of those teams, John, I'm looking at the Panthers making a push for Watson, but I don't think you're going to be able to get him for three first round picks. I think that asking price is insane, especially for a guy who's not played in over a year. Yeah, no, I agree. And John brings up another interesting team. The one sleeper team that haven't gave their quarterback a new contract and been making salary room is the cards. Well, that's an interesting take, but I'm not, I don't know if that's as likely as the Panthers though. No, I, I don't agree with that. I think one quarterback that could be on the move with all this talk too, could be Matt Ryan down there in Atlanta. That'd be another guy to, to go watch as well being on the move, especially if the reports are true that the Falcons are making a push for Deshaun Watson. Yeah, and uh, Tom says, yeah, Mason played with Brady for a few seasons in New England. Yeah, I think that definitely had to factor into the Buccaneers wanting to help out Tom Brady. And not to mention Jason Light, the general manager, was with the Patriots as an assistant for a while. So I think he kind of knows Bill Belichick and is willing to make deals with him. And uh, John goes, Falcons just gave 
give him a huge contract to Matt Ryan. They did give him a lot of money. That that yep. would be the one thing you have to consider. But then, you know, if you're making a push for Deshaun Watson, then where's Matt Ryan going then? You're not, you're not going to pay all that money for a, a, a bat for a backup. And on top of that, they're way over the cap. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's why I think that just goes back to what we've been talking about with Brady. He goes into a situation with Tampa next year where he doesn't even need to be a hundred percent and be the player that he's been before the quarterback he's been before. And they could still rattle off nine, 10 wins, especially if you're playing, you know, the, those other three teams in your division six times. That's you go five. You can easily go five and one in that stretch. Absolutely. Now, um, let's get into some of the more, some of the newer NFL free agent signings. So right before this show started, we just got the notification that Von Miller has signed a six year contract with the Buffalo bills. And Johnny, I think it's obvious to me that this team is going all in for a Super Bowl. Absolutely. And look, you know, after that, def- after that defense, uh, <laughs> Okay, I I support. It's true. I do support them. I wouldn't call them my closet team. Not like not like you with the Vikings there, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you saw that defense for the uh, for the Bills in the playoffs. Um, they did have a key a key guy. Uh, his name's eluding me, but he was hurt last year. And you know, bringing in a Vaughn Miller, I think definitely shores up that defense. I mean, that's a big contract though. You gave him six years and one hundred twenty yeah. million. That's that's the one thing when I looked at. But I think it's. Like you said, I think it's for the Bills. They're going. They're going all in. I mean, you have Josh Allen. You've been developing around him. You mm-hmm. came this close to beating the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs in the divisional round, and they're getting better. They're slowly like making strides. I think now they just wanted that one like impact player on their defense that can lift them one step over the top. Now, granted, I'm not going to tell you that this contract is going to be great. Every like all six years, he's going to be with the team. In fact, I don't even think he's going to play all six years. I think he's probably going to cut with going to get cut within like a few years of that deal. But with that being said, this is about the now, and the Buffalo Bills, I think, made a good signing of a guy who I think will definitely be in Canton years to come. Yeah, so it's six years and 120 million. 53 million of that is guaranteed. Yeah. That's what you always look at with these guys in the NFL is their guaranteed contract. And so 53 million of it is guaranteed. And like you said, you know, they're going for it. And they, again, that's another, that's another team in the bills. When you look at that division that, you know, they're in a still in a favorable, favorable division. So with Josh Allen, who's been playing great. I mean, let's be honest, the bills played great in that game against the chiefs. I mean, they, you can make the point. They were actually the better team up until those last few minutes of regulation and into, and, and into overtime. I would even argue that they probably should have won that game, but that's a discussion yeah. for another day. Yep. John Suggs mentions Jarvis Landry. Did he just get signed somewhere? I heard the Falcons were looking at him. Well, I know there was talk about about him being close. So there was some let's take a look here. This, we're gonna be doing this in real time. I uh, know he was uh, that's it. He was he was visiting with the Falcons. That was uh earlier today. But um, as an option, um, could see that as a possibility. I mean, we'll have to see. Oh yeah, for sure. And yeah, if yeah, he hasn't signed anywhere just yet, at least as of right now. 
Yeah, no, that'll be an interesting get. I, f- I have a feeling he's probably going to join us, uh, say, you know, what was I going to say? I have a feeling he could join Deshaun Watson somewhere along the lines. Could be possibly, could be possibly, uh, could that be an Atlanta situation? I know he's visiting with Atlanta. That's something to, to say. But anyways, what's another, uh, oh, let's talk about the Chargers. Team that's yeah. made some huge moves. They just got Khalil Mack, I believe. Yep, Khalil Mack, J.C. Jackson. Yeah. And I tell you, I mean, what a, what a division that's going to be, right? I mean, that them, the the Chiefs, who have been one of the best team of football, arguably the best four years, yet they only have one mm-hmm. Super Bowl to show for it. The, the Broncos now, who got uh, Russell Wilson, which I love. I think that is a great move for them. I mean, they, get, they did give up a lot, but you know what? That's the one thing that the Broncos have been lacking for since Peyton Manning left as a franchise quarterback. And in some ways, the Broncos are still a team on the rise. I mean, they defensively, they had the, I mean, rookie wise, they had the second best rookie class by pro football focus in 2021. So, yeah, they gave up two firsts and two seconds and Noah Fant and another defensive player. But you know what? They're still technically a team on the rise while the team winning for it right now. I, I think that's a great move for them. And you mm-hmm. can't even count out the, the Raiders. You know, the talk possibly could have been maybe you just – you trade – right, Tom Chandler Jones. That's exactly mm-hmm. where, I was, where I was going at. Maybe the you would have thought if you're the Raiders, uh, maybe we have to give up Derek Carr now because we have no shot in this division. But, no, they go out and get Chandler Jones. So, that AFC West, my gosh, that's going to be an awesome division. And on then they just traded Yannick Ngakwe to the Colts. Yes, they did trade – in Gakway, um, but they did bring in Chandler Jones as well. And, you know, the, the the Raiders were a team that, let's be honest, I mean, they went through a lot in 2021, and they still were able to right the ship and get into the playoffs. Against- I want to point out another funny comment that Tom just made. Not sure what's been the highlight of Atlanta's offseason. Lowering Ryan's cap hit to 30, <laughs> you know, re-signing young Waku. <laughs> Five years, yep. So a few other comments I want to get to. Gio Flores says, hi, how are you doing? Gio? Thank you for tuning in on, on our YouTube channel. Big Shindo, keep killing it, Hank. Thank you, my guy. He's been one of my oldest friends since high school and one of my awesome. old football teammates. Thank you so much for tuning in, my guy. And uh, other comments here. Where is Miles Jack going? Uh, I believe he just signed with the Pittsburgh Steelers, actually, a couple an hour, about an hour ago. Yes, I did see that before we came on as well. Are you ready to feel um, shocked, by the way, when I give you this fun fact? Yeah, so Miles Jack's just 26, by the way. And, yes, the Steelers did get him. Are you ready for a fun fact? Sure, I love your fun fact. Everyone from Saxonville is in 2017 is now gone. Wow. What a waste that Jaguars team was. What a waste. You know, speaking of the Jaguars, though, what do you think about all the moves that they've made so far? Um. Yeah, no, it's they've had some – pretty interesting i think they'll i think they can't get any worse than what they were last year i think it'll be interesting to see how trevor lawrence does in year I, two well i i like what they're doing because i think they're they're trying to help out lawrence and let's not yeah, forget sure. also you know they don't have to worry about um they don't have to deal with urban meyer that that's oh, going to next year and i also think and we've seen this with with teams as well whether it's been in uh Cincinnati with Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. I think the fact that he did not have Travis Etienne for the entire season, he lost him in the first preseason game of the year last year, did hurt Lawrence. So if he gets Etienne back, 
you know, the Clemson connection, maybe that helps it out as well. And, you know, another year, a year under his belt. Because, you know, in game, let's be honest, in game 17 against the Colts, I know it's the last game of the year, but that was a critical game for the Colts. Lawrence looked great. I know, I know uh, Wentz looked horrific in that game, but Lawrence did look very good. And maybe that gives the uh, Jaguars, you know, a little bit of uh, positivity going into next season. I'm going to give you a little bit of a hot take. I actually don't think Doug Peterson was that bad of a hiring. I think he's someone that could probably help with his development. He's had some, he's had a decent amount of success, like in, with Philadelphia. Now, granted, obviously we know what helped him win that Super Bowl was them playing a Matt Patricia defense. And that was probably a fluky season. But with that being said, I don't think he was the worst, worst option. Again, certainly can't get any worse than what you had before in, in urban Meyer. And, I he was he wouldn't have been my first choice. I personally would have expected them to hire Byron Leftwich, but where I was going, yeah. I don't think I don't think Peterson was necessarily the worst hire they could have had. I, I totally agree 100 percent with you, Hank. I would I would have gone for Leftwich as well, but like I said, you know, this is a situation where you know the, the hire you're you're not saying right out of the gate, all right, this is disaster written all over it. I think I I, I you could live with Doug Peterson there in Jacksonville for sure. John's next comment is Joe Flacco to the Jets law. Looks like they signed him back. Yeah, they brought him back. I think it was one year, three and a half million. You know, veteran backup is nice. I actually like what the Jets are doing, just to be fair here. You know, they're not going for the home run right away, but they're adding some decent pieces for that team. Whether I like the Uzama signing a lot. I I, I think he was he was great there in, in Cincinnati. I like I, I actually like him a lot. I think he's very underrated. Um, him going to the Jets, I think that helps them out pretty well. Um, I think the Jets will take a step forward next year, but they're not going for the home run. I know some Jet friend, some Jet friends that want them to go for the home run, but I think with them, what you've seen in the past before is they tried to hit a home run and they struck out. You know, this is a baseball term, but I do like they're making the small, nope. they're making the small, they're getting the pieces together. That's what they're doing. You know, they they re-signed Barrios, who was who was great for them last year. I, mm-hmm. I like the direction that they're, they're going in. Yeah, for sure. I think the Jets couldn't really afford to make like any big, big splashes during the offseason. But it feels weird that I'm saying this, but they actually look like they're headed in the right direction for once. Let's just hope that they can take care of Zach Wilson and maybe we'll see some signs of improvement. But again, I don't think they're I don't think they're there yet. No, I don't don't think they're there, but I think they are taking the right steps to get there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Another move the Buffalo Bills just made was they added O.J. Howard to the tight end room. They gave him a small one-year contract. Having him and Dawson Knox as your tight end, that's again, that's another move that Buffalo has made to fortify their team. I really like having those two to tight ends on the roster. Yeah. Yep, yep, absolutely. You know, this is a situation you're going to be looking at – so you're going to be looking at social media just to see if uh, anything breaks while we're on the air here. But, yeah, no, I I, I do like that as well, what the Bills did with uh, Howard Nair, two tight ends for sure. And now we get to another question from John. And obviously we were going to talk about our team, the New York Giants, eventually. Yeah. And his question is, do you think Tyrod will win the starting job over Jones? I'm not sure that I think that. I think they're going to try to stick with – Daniel Jones to start week one for another year. Yeah. I, what I got out of that signing last night was I think they're bringing him. I don't think they're bringing him in to compete with Jones more like, yeah. like what they were talking about with Trubisky and him possibly coming in and being and competing for the starting job. I think they're, they're trying to just have a, 
a capable backup because you need a capable backup because Daniel Jones, I'd say his biggest problem is he can't stay healthy. You know, it's so, and you don't want to go down to Mike Lennon. I mean, I cannot watch Mike Lennon in another game ever again. Especially, you know, Colt McCoy two years ago for them was was actually great. And I'm watching Colt McCoy over there in Arizona when uh, Kyler Murray had the ankle injury last year, and he was able to fill in quite nicely. And here I am watching Mike Lennon and, you know, and then also Jake Fromm. I was a little surprised they didn't even bring back Jake Fromm even be, just because – you know, the Buffalo connection, you know, he was with the Bill on the Bills practice squad before he, the Giants did sign him. So, um, yeah, the money was a little high. I, Tom and I spoke about this last night as well. Um, I, I think the money was a little bit high, but at the same time, you know what, considering where the Giants are right now and the situation that they're in, it's not the worst thing in the world. I would not have wanted – and I think you and I spoke about this before the show, Hank. I would yes. not have wanted to give that kind of money to Trubisky. I could live with giving no. it to Tyrod Taylor, though. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And one of the big things that we were worried about was because of Mitch's connections with Dable and Shane and Buffalo, the Giants were probably going to go that route. And I remember almost every day in in my group chat with Tom and Sam of uh, of uh, Big Blue Avenue and Girl Who Talks Sports, like we were all like fearing, oh no, are they going to actually go after Mitch Trubisky? But I'm glad that didn't happen. And yeah, five point five million. It's a little high, but you know what? At the same time, I, Tom and I have said on Big Blue Avenue, you need a good backup quarterback because one of the other things that Tom has said all year is that the best abil- abil- ability is availability. And as yeah. much as like we are all Daniel Jones supporters, for me, despite all of the things that have happened in his game, the turnovers and the other stuff, my biggest concern like you is his, is his injuries. And like, and if he's a guy that can't stay healthy, and if that continues to be a problem, you have to have a good backup quarterback. And let's face it, Fromm and Fromm and Glenn were absolutely not cutting it. And I would definitely take Tyrod Taylor over either of either of those two any day of the week. And Ty- Tyrod Taylor actually did all right, all things considered, for the Texans. Now, granted, that was a team that was nowhere near the playoffs, but it's good that he had a little bit of playing time last year under his belt. And speaking of the Giants real quick, I'll just say I like what they're doing on the offensive line. Again, this is a team that, right, I mean, we are really stuck from the – and I'm going to say this phrase. I said it on my show yesterday. I'm going to say it. I said it to you before the air. Considering the situation left by the Dave Gettleman stench that, you know what, they (laughs) – they they're in a tough spot and but I like what they're doing the offensive line. I mean I'm bummed that they got rid of Caden Smith the tight end and I'm really bummed about Booker. You know the the running back because you know he was one of their better players last year in a year that uh you know that was just disastrous on so many levels. You know he was actually a one constant and it stinks that they weren't able to bring him back because of the money situation that that they're in. Yeah, Smith. I think it would have been nice to give him a chance to like get more reps because if you remember the rookie season that he had with Daniel Jones, he, he got a lot of his touchdowns. They seem to have a good connection, but then they kind of went away from him after a while. So I think, I think I see why they phased him out, but I I would have, I would have preferred to give him another chance. Booker. I would have been, I would have liked to have, but at the same time he was getting paid a lot of money. You couldn't, you couldn't keep him around going into the season. It's really amazing, again, and I've said this numerous times, it's really amazing looking at that roster and seeing how many players Dave Gettleman overpaid. And that, I think, more so than anything else, is a big reason as to why he's out of a job. Yeah, yeah. that's Or I, I, he 
quote unquote retired. retired. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah, know. Right. And uh, Casey Kreider is back. For those of you who don't know, Casey mm-hmm. Kreider is the long snapper. I think that's definitely another good keep. And as far as the offensive line goes, I think I like that they went out and got Feliciano and, oh, what's his name? It's um, Lewinsky. Lewinsky. Yep. Sorry about that. I was having a bit of a brain fart on here. You're good. But uh, those are both good signings. I think if you're going to make any moves in free agency, you might as well find ways to improve the offensive line and give it a little bit of leadership. And Johnny, I don't know about you, but I think that I think Shane has done more so far in this half of an off season than Dave Gettleman and uh, what Jerry Reese have done at the end of their tenures to like fix the offensive line. And, and yeah, I, table. I, I agree with that a hundred percent. And again, considering, uh, yes, that we did, Tom, you can, if you want proof, go look at the big blue Avenue, Twitter, and you'll see that that's true. Yep. Yep. No, they have. And I, I can attest that I have seen that. That is, I'm gonna, that, is that is correct. I wish I had thought to screenshot that tweet, Tom, but yeah, you're right. I'm glad you got that up. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree, though. I think, again, considering the situation that they're in with the salary cap and stuff, I, I, I do like what they've been able to do. I mean, it all starts with the offensive line. It's been something they've been trying to fix for years now, and I'm hoping that the Buffalo connection is going to help and, you know, just make some progress. You know, health, too. You know, remember, they they lost two starting guys in the first few weeks of the season last year. So that was mm-hmm. a big thing. If those guys are back, too. Then that could help as well. But I do like what we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. It's gonna, it, don't, don't kid yourself. 2022 is going to be another rough season. What you oh, want no, to see those is. strides. But, I mean, it looks like we're starting to do a couple of things right. Again, baby steps. We're going to have to be almost – like the Jets, we're going to have to start taking strides little by little here. You just want to go into next season and you want to, you know, you want a healthy Daniel Jones. You want to see if he's the future. You got to wonder what you're doing at running back with Barkley. Those, those, it's really, those are the, it's, we've been talking about that for a couple of years now. That's what you have to think about going to next year. So, yeah, I agree. I think the Giants next year, you're going to see a little bit of signs where they'll be competitive and, that they'll be more fundamentally sound than like say a year or two ago. But I agree with you. It's going to be a rough ride. However, with that being said, if you look at their schedule, there are some winnable opponents. So they might surprise you. This is another point that Tom and I have brought up on big blue Avenue, especially the home schedule. Let me read off the opponents for you. If I may Sure. Chicago bears, Carolina Panthers are a mystery box. We don't know about their quarterback situation and, Granted, as I've said about uh, Matt Rule, maybe this could be the year he finally helps turn them around. But then again, so far, that's only really translated with college, so we don't know. Baltimore could be interesting, especially if we get the good Lamar Jackson. Detroit, I'm going to say, is probably going to be a win. Dallas, you know, Dallas, Philly, and Washington, those are the division rivals, 50-50. We might win at least one of those games. Then there's the Houston Texans and the and the Indianapolis Colts. These are all the home games, by the way, that I'm, that I'm reading off. Yeah, so they actually the AFC teams they play actually it's not um, it's not it's not the worst thing in the world. Well, you know when no. you're when you when you've been as bad as we've been, it's about time we get a favorable a kind of a favorable schedule. Now, of course, that factors into you know how good are the Giants actually going to be themselves. But you know they're not going into a torturous schedule like it seems like they've had now for the past several years. And here's Tom to back up my point. Our ceiling is what the Eagles did last year, honestly. 
everyone is talking us down, but we do have a fourth place schedule or schedule. Sorry, <laughs> seven to eight wins is the ceiling, but not far fetched. Yeah, listen, I don't, crazy. I don't disagree that. with that. I'll, Anything I'll, can happen on I'll any sign up for Sunday. seven, right? You tell me right now that they could get seven wins next year. I'll sign up for that. Yeah, absolutely. But again, I'm, am I going to bank my hopes on that? Absolutely not. I still want to see more, more work done, more offseason moves made. I want to see how Shane does in the draft before I officially declare that the Giants are an improved team. And it's interesting because I know they were they were uh, one of the mock drafts had the Oregon kid, and then he he fell. They were even talks about now possibly them taking a running back, but I'm hoping that you know there's another defensive player. Um, his name's. I'm, uh, is eluding me, but they were talking about another defensive end for them uh, in in this mock draft, and that's where they have to go too. They have to go pass rush as well because that was when they were in their glory days, and I like to say glory days because they that was my era back in 07 and eleven. You know, Mine it all too. started with both sides. Yeah, started with both lines of scrimmage, and you know the Giants haven't had a good pass rusher in, in geez like forever. So you want to start you want to start there as well, and there have been a couple of guys. There are a couple of guys in the draft. I mean, obviously, I would love to have Hutchinson from Michigan, but that he's not going to fall. Oh, me too. But I don't. I think that's a pipe dream. Yeah, uh, we can only dream, right? Yes, that's 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 what we. Unless somebody reaches, that's what you got to hope for. Maybe somebody at the top there reaches, but I don't. I don't see that. All right. So before I get into the baseball segment, let me uh, address uh, John Suggs's comments. I want to make sure I'm not ignoring all the commenters. Absolutely. You think yeah. the Colts will sign Mariota? Been hearing it the last few days. Pretty hard. It's possible. I wouldn't really be surprised. And uh, he says the Colts trading for Colts trading for Jimmy G are getting unrestricted Mariota. Both can be mobile and take some load off for for Tyler and Mac if it's not there. Here's the thing: Jimmy G is a quarterback that can win you games. But if they sign either one of those guys, then I honestly think that defeats the purpose of trading Carson Wentz. Cause at least, at least with Carson Wentz and make no mistake, I'm not a fan of this guy like at all whatsoever. Like, I don't think he's, he's that great of a quarterback. At least with him, you'll see flashes of talent, the talent that he had in 2017. If you're getting Jimmy G or Mariota, then I think that means you kind of, you're pretty much admitting that you, you, you're taking a loss right there. That's just my opinion. Well, the only thing I'll say to that too is where are you, I mean, what are the other options at quarterback though going into next year without without Wentz? I mean, they don't even have a first round. The Colts yeah. don't even have a first round pick next year. Not that there's a quarterback in the draft that's going to be impact guy right away. I mean, you're talking about the kid from uh, Texas, Sam Ellinger. I mean, I, I'm looking at their depth chart right now. They got Ellinger. They've got James Morgan. Uh, I mean, these are. I not, don't even think they dump Wentz because of salary cap. I think they just. No, it wasn't. I don't think it was. Sal- I don't think it was salary. I don't think it was salary cap. I think they were just trying. I think they were just trying to get rid of him. I mean, Washington. You know, the Commanders took him, and you know, a lot of people are talking about the Commanders and like why are they doing that with when they were developing um, Heineke. I actually think, from Washington's perspective, I actually like it because you know their quarterback play has been among the worst the last several years. In fact, their their QBR was the bot was in the bottom of the league for several years now. Uh, after Cousins left. So, you know, Wentz didn't actually have a bad year. He had 27 touchdowns and seven interceptions. It's just everybody wants to talk about that game against the Jaguars when he just yeah. completely fell apart. But Wentz actually had a pretty good year. You know, his other fa- his other issue, too, is like a lot of players. It's his health. He really, I mean, he hasn't really been the same quarterback since the ACL but injury. But, 
he had a good year last year before that last game, but everybody just wants to focus on that last game. So I think he actually does provide some uh, stability at the quarterback spot. And if you do keep Heineke as a backup, it's not a bad uh, situation yeah. for the commanders. No, it's it's not a bad not a bad move made by Washington. And you know, I think our I think it was our buddy Noah Dibler who said it on the last show. He said it best. It, say what you want about Kirk Cousins, they really haven't been able to replace him since he left. And make no mistake, I agree that they were probably right to let him go instead of paying him the money that Minnesota made. I feel like that probably could have been a big disaster had Washington done that. But with that being said, I don't think I think getting Wentz is interesting. And as a Giant fan, personally, I'm glad to be facing him twice a year for the next few years. But at the same time, I think Washington low-key has a better shot at winning the NFC East. The interesting thing, I mean, the interesting thing about that is look at all the look at what the Cowboys have had to do because of salary cap situations, too. They've had to dump a few of their guys, including uh, Amari Cooper. Um, so you know, maybe the Cowboys are going to take a little bit of a step back here because they've had to make some changes. Okay, so last comment that John says before I move on to baseball, why does everyone say it's not a strong quarterback class? I disagree. You have Matt Howell, Matt Coral, Maliki Willis, and Kenny Pickett. Again, I I think it's probably underwhelming compared to, like, years past. I mean – You know what? You know why I would say that, though? I don't why? think any of those, any of those guys are – year one starters right and the kid heroically it, it was he was the old miss quarterback you know he, he hurt himself last game in the, in the bowl game and i think that's a good hit i think kenny pickett's gonna be all right but i just don't think he's a year one starter i mean they, it, it does have all the makings of him going to the steelers but now i know that they got um they they got uh trubisky but you know what you look at those other options. I mean, they've got Haskins, they got Mason Rudolph, which should never step on the field again. Um, it could work over there as a backup in, in Pittsburgh. I just don't think any of those guys are, you know, year one starters. And yeah. let's put it this way: if there's a team that does draft on a, at one of those and they are year one starters, you know what that means? That means you're not a very good football team. That's what it. That's yep. what it is. You're staring at two and fifteen, three and fourteen in 2022. Yeah. So moving along, let's talk about the MLB. Last week, last time we were doing this, we were both so oh. disgruntled and frustrated with the way progress was going with the talks. All of a sudden, things took a complete 180. I get out of work Thursday, and I go to my car, and I see my phone blowing up that the MLB is back. And it's interesting. I think, don't get me wrong, I'm glad the MLB is back because, as you know, I am a diehard Yankee fan. Baseball was one of my first favorite. It's still one of my favorite sports. Don't get me wrong. Sure. But part of me was feeling more – I was feeling, like, part partially more relieved than, like, ecstatic that it was going on just for the sheer fact that all of this fighting was over was basically crying over spilt milk, essentially. So we've had about a week now to digest all of this, Hank. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's – I'm still like, like you, it's nice to have it back. I think I'm, I'm, you know what I'm really excited about? I've been excited about the fact that I've been paying close attention and talking about the free agent and trade frenzy, which I know we'll talk about in just a moment. But other than that, it's, it's nice to have it back. Don't get me wrong, mm -hmm. but it's also very hard to be excited because of, like you said, just the optics of the 99 day lockout and the damage that they've caused 
now going forward because now you're going to have so many things that are happening and you're seeing it already. Go ask the San Diego Padres if if damage has been done to the sport because of the lockout. Their star player is going to miss the first three months of the year because of a fractured wrist. And not just because he used bad judgment on a motorcycle accident. It was also because he got hurt in December and the training staff, couldn't, he could not get checked on by the training staff because of the lockout. So when you factor that, when you factor in how these, how both of these sides acted, how you have Rob Manfred when he made his initial, when he came out on that Tuesday two weeks ago and was actually smiling when announcing that there were games that are going to get canceled. And then when he comes out and said the games are going to be played and he looks so disinterested. And also when you have all these, as a result of the lockout, you have now these rule changes that are going to be going to effect starting next year, starting in 2023, which are just terrible. You also have now this year, you have a shortened spring training, which is what that's going to lead to is when you go, you're going to the season opener, you're going to opening day, Yankees, Red Sox. So you know what's going to end up happening? Mm-hmm. Garrett, I'm going to tell you right now, Garrett Cole is going to throw a one hit shutout through five innings and they're going to take him out because he is not stretched enough. So you yep. are going to be hampering the product that on opening day, which is the most exciting day in April for baseball fans, you were hampering that product. You're going to hamper the first few weeks of the season because these pitchers are not going to be stretched out and they're going to try and ramp it up real fast. They're going to get hurt. So that product takes a hurt. hit. And then, then you have, then you have these other players who are not signed yet. They need time to get ramped up. And then you go into the following season, starting in 2023, and you have these terrible rule changes where you're banning the shift, which should not happen. You should not – why are you banning the shift? Why – like I've said this before, and you're going to have to bear with me because I think my face is going to turn red here because I'm going to get frustrated again. Oh, no, no, no. I don't no, blame I, you. I, I am because way. I want to know why the heck we are banning a defensive style in sports. Are we going to – do you want to ban the neutral zone in hockey? No. Do you want to ban – a style of defense in basketball. I mean, look, they don't play defense in basketball, but that's their choice. It's not being forced on them. Or you're going to tell a football team that you can't line up this this way defensively. Or on a hail mary, you have to have half your team up team up on the line, and only half your other defensive players can play deep. It's terrible. I mean, you should not be banning a defensive style. So that ruins the game because the players are crying, like our own Joey Gallo is saying, "Oh, I got five guys on the right side of the infield. How am I supposed to hit? You know, I don't know. Maybe bunt." Drag down the third baseline. Like the number one job is to get on didn't base. You do that in, Joey Gallo, didn't you do that in a game against the Tampa Bay Rays in the top of the ninth when down a couple runs? Yeah. I mean, let's, how about we go back to what uh, Matt Carpenter did again in the playoffs a couple of years ago for the Cardinals and he had a, a double. You know, if you go the other way all the time or if you bunt, you know what they're going to do? They're going to they're gonna ban the shift manually. And that's what it should yeah. be. It should be banned manually. And then you have these larger bases, which they want to say is to prevent injuries. I think it's more because no. the umpiring has been so bad that they yeah. want to make sure they get the calls right. So that's been bad. Um, the pitch clock, I think, is ridiculous as well. You're trying to speed up the game. I get that. There's other reasons why that you can't do anything about. But it's just it, – all of this is just terrible. This, this it, These games are, un, are going to be unrecognizable. They're doing some of this stuff in the minor leagues starting this season, Hank, and it's, it's going to be a disaster. The game is unrecognizable, and it's going to be going forward. You're going to be – you know, you I don't know – what you're trying to do. And then these other, these other TV deals, you know, the Apple TV package, you know, a Friday night doubleheader, people are not going to be home or on their devices on Friday nights. And then the, the Peacock deal, we're going to start be starting Sunday games as early as 1130 or 12 noon. So you're turning off your younger audience. You're turning off your older audience while the rule changes. What good came out of this, out of the lockout? 
Yeah, sorry, no. I put a lot. Of, I put a lot out at you. What? Up? No, 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 no. You're good. Hold on. I'll be right back. My computer's like frozen. I'm gonna like reboot again. Okay. But in the meantime, say say give me uh, some more points you have about baseball. Yeah, I I, I, I just look at all this stuff and I'm like, so why? So what good comes out of this lockout? What that we're gonna play a full season? I mean, that's you're gonna be playing a full season. You're gonna be doing these double headers, these nine, these full double headers. Now it's just there's so much. Oh, there's so much okay, to this. That good. Is not Sorry good. about that. Hey, Hank, welcome back. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's sorry it's about good that. Luck. That was. That, that's quite a, that's quite all right. It's just I, I don't. There's nothing really good that came out of this lockout. There's if anything, the damage to the sport which was happening before the lockout. Now it's totally done, and you're going to see this going forward mm-hmm. here, especially going to next next season. I don't like the banning of the shift. And here's the other thing too: how are you going to enforce this stuff next season? Like when does this pitch clock start? What how banning of the shift? So what exactly has to happen? Do two guys have to be on either side of second base? I mean, tell me, tell me what out of all this stuff, what good came out of the lockout? No, nothing. It like all Except it was the sour taste, is, but that wasn't even good. Uh, all it was, I would all that came out the, out of the lockout is a few radical rule changes and a semi false narrative. Actually, I wouldn't really call it semi because it, it was a pretty false narrative of millionaires versus billionaires argument, and essentially Rob Manfred trying to make trying to fix things that really were never broken to begin with. I mean, make no mistake. I don't disagree entirely with some of the changes. I like that we're having a DH rule universally. D- the universal DH should have been a thing a long, long time ago. And I know, I know Tom, if you're still watching, you're going to have some fighting words about that with me <laughs> in the comments section. But with that being said, like nobody, I'm sorry, nobody goes to the ballpark to pay to see a pitcher hit. That's the reality. Unless you want to see, Jacob DeGrom hit and maybe carry the Mets. Like that's like one of the few exceptions. No, nobody goes to see a pitcher heading a pitcher like has to worry about dangerous stuff on the mound already as it is. You don't need to worry about him running the bases a la Chenning Wong, June, 2008, or guys getting hit a la David Cohen, 1987 with the New York Mets. Well, think about it. Uh, The two names you just brought up there, Wong, it it, uh, affected his career. He was never the same pitcher after that. And, And Jacob DeGrom, remember he, hyperextended his elbow in a swing against the Reds one year. And then last year he got hurt exactly. doing that. And then he had, and then that led to a, a bunch of other injuries last season that led, that led to him only missing half the season. So look, I'm not, I'm not as angry about the universal DH like you. I think it was inevitable. It was inevitable that that was going mm-hmm. to happen, but I don't really have a problem with that. I mean, the only reason why I did like the fact the pitcher was hitting was for the strategy, mm-hmm. but like you said, I don't think we go to the ballpark to see the pitchers hit. I mean, you it's very rare that you have like the Carlos Zambranos or the Mike Hamptons of the world that hit seven home runs in a year. Or Madison I mean, Bumgarner. Or Madison Bumgarner. But you know what, though? If you want your pitcher to hit, that's why you have the DH. You can put him in that spot. You know what? That's what. You, but nobody will ever do that. I think the universal DH, it was inevitable, so I don't really have that much of a problem with it. Steve Traxel, gosh, that's a name. That's a name I haven't heard in a long time. Human rain time. delay, Steve Traxel. Yes. There Human he is. Steve Traxel would not survive in the major leagues today if it, uh, if they're going to enforce this pitch clock in 2023. Uh, before before I continue going on and ranting about whole all the whole changes that the MLB is making, yeah. I want to give a little plug first. We are sponsoring Marty Jones. Marty joins NCAA tournament bracket. bracket so 
if you're in the comment section on our Facebook page, if you want to join in, please click on that link below. We would love to have as many names as possible join in. Should be a lot of fun. I just filled in my own bracket, but we will get to that a little bit later. But for now, let's get to the free agents and trades. And Johnny, why don't we start start with talking about our New York Yankees? Now, sure. first of all, the first thing the Yankees did, or one of the first things they did, was a trade that I know you and I are kind of on opposite ends of. I know we talked a little bit about it through text on Sunday night after it happened. Yeah. And the more I thought about it, at first I thought, okay, it's Gary for Josh Johnson. But then when you really look into this trade, I think the Yankees won it. And if and if I'm being honest, I'm not looking at the Gary Sanchez for Josh Donaldson angle of this trade. I'm looking at the other guys in return. Because if you look at the big picture, you filled in not one, not two, but three holes. You got a you got a really good defensive shortstop. Matter of fact, the only two shortstops that are higher than Connor Falefa in terms of defensive runs saved, I believe it's Carlos Correa and Angelton Simmons. And when you look at how they played last year, when you looked how bad their fielding was, that's that's huge. Getting a, getting a shortstop like Isaiah Connor Falefa. I don't care about his offense. His offense is okay. It's slightly above average. He's a 270 hitter with eight home runs, but those can always improve with the Yankee Stadium short porch. So I'm not, I'm not upset about that at all. And then you're getting a catcher named Ben Brevort. I think I'm pronouncing his name right. He was in the Minnesota twin system. I've looked at a lot of scouting and I've read a lot of articles about him. This guy has a really good work ethic and he's a really good defensive catcher. And listen, when you looked at what we had with Gary Sanchez, I will consider that an upgrade. I don't care what people say. And not to mention, if you look at pictures of him, this guy is absolutely ripped. He's got the arms of a tree trunk. He can probably hit 20 home runs, give or take, at Yankee Stadium. And again, as I said, he's getting that short porch in left and right field. So I think that's a good get. Now, let me talk about the elephant room and Josh Donaldson. In my personal opinion, am I in love with the idea of taking on his $50 million million salary? Absolutely not. And look, I get the argument. He's coming from Minnesota. He criticized Garrett Cole. And not to mention he was with the Toronto Blue Jays for so long. And I even remember a brawl that he instigated. But look, we've had rivals come into the Yankees in years past. This isn't really anything new to me. Time will help things work out with him as it is. Do I think he's the best idea at third base? No, because of his injury. Because he's injury prone. And defensively, I would say he's a downgrade from what we had in Gio Urshela, who also went to the Minnesota Twins in that trade. But with that being said, you still have a pretty good hitting lineup as it is. If if he's healthy, he can hit you a lot of bombs. So I'm not too upset about this trade. It's to me getting Josh Donaldson and his and his salary. It's essentially what I'm going to call the Gary Sanchez tax. <laughs> All right, that's fair. Um, yeah, I disagree with you. I'm I like Falefa. Let's well, let's start with the thing we agree on. I agree about Falefa. Yes. The Yanks got their stop, they got the stopgap short shortstop. Now I wanted Simmons badly. And when you saw that he only went for four million dollars for one year to the to the Cubs, I saw that I was like, wow, the Yanks could have got him for that because of his defense. Now, the downside to that is Simmons' age, you know, and his injury history as well. You weren't necessarily going to get him for his bad. You were getting him for his defense, like you said, because you know, they were having a lot of problems at shortstop with Torres. Then they had to move him to second, and trying to fix him by putting him at second meant that you were playing two other guys out of position. So, yeah, their defense definitely was a hit. It was a was a problem in the infield last year. But 
I mean, you can't ignore the fact that Josh Donaldson is 36 years old and is getting $50 million. Now, money may not be a thing to the Yanks. It's been in the past, but I'm not a, I'm not a Donaldson fan. And it's not because of the incident last year. I mean, look, I, right. I said it with Correa. I said that with Johnny Damon when he came to the Yankees and, and ended up being all right. Like you said, that stuff happens. I just am not a fan of the fact that the Yanks have brought in another right-handed, power-hitting, aging player. Um, yeah. That, that's that's the problem I have. You know, he doesn't play full – Josh Donaldson doesn't play full seasons. You know, he, he had 135 games last year, but since 2016, he's had one season of over 155 games. So – and he's, he's 36 years old. You know, he's another player that doesn't hit for an average. His on-base is not bad, but – Again, you brought in another another power hitting, aging player when you already have at least three of those in the lineup, and possibly and when you have you know the three outfielders, you have that. Um, Gary Sanchez was oh uh, you know I could tell the Yankee personnel was not thrilled about him, but his production behind was still among the best among catchers. His his defense look he still had a very good arm. His pass ball situation and his wild pitch problems, no doubt, major problem. The problem you run into is I'm still not sold on on this uh, catcher they brought in yet. I know I've heard good things about him, and he's going to have a chance. But mm-hmm. right now, the Yanks don't have an everyday catcher. Uh, Higashioka yeah. is not an everyday catcher. They tried right. making him that last year. He was exposed. So you look at it now, and so now you have – you're right at shortstop, but you still go into the season with many questions. And yeah. – I just don't think – I think the last thing they needed to do was bring another veteran uh, aging player in here. And so now you've got a power guy at third base, a power guy in left field, a power guy at right field, and another guy at DH. And then your backup first baseman right now is also another power guy. And really right now when you look at this team, if they're – right now the way they're shaped up – by the way, I love the Rizzo move. We'll get to that in a second. But you look at the team, the yes. way they're shaped up, their best all-around offensive player – is on the bench if he's healthy. And so I don't like, I don't like the trade. I don't, and I don't like the fact that you have Gio Urshela because I think he, he was, he was great last year. Yeah. They, he had yeah. a down year compared to other times, but the fact where he came from and to be into blossoming to the player that he became and they got rid of him for that. I think that's a real miss. I would have loved him over there. I would have loved Chapman over here. You know, Chapman going oh, to the to the Blue Jays. Matt Chapman going to the Blue Jays is a better fit than Josh Donaldson on the Yankees. That's that's where I take it at. So I I'm I this this trade's now three, four days old. I'm still, you know, not that big of a fan of it. Simply for the fact that, you know, Donaldson's on this team and now they've got another aging veteran player who doesn't play every day. Yeah, no. And like I said, I see both sides of it. I see where a lot of fans are with the Donaldson part. So in that sense, I'm essentially going to agree agree to disagree because I, I do agree. You're right about the right-handed power hitting part about the Yankee lineup. We, do, we don't really need another aging home run hitter. But with that being said, I it's at the same time, I'm also okay with getting a shortstop who's much better fielding than what we had last year. Well, quite frankly, we didn't even have a shortstop last year. We had a shortstop who really should have been second base, but that's besides the point. And then as far as catcher goes again, that's a wait and see moment again. So that that's a mystery box, but 
Either way, I'm still willing to take a chance on him. That's how much I couldn't stand, how, how much I was tired of Gary Sanchez. And quite frankly, this is coming from someone who, if hitting for the cycle had existed in, say, 2018, I would have still defend, been defending Gary Sanchez to an extent. So, in other words, I defended him probably a year longer than I should have. But, that's again, fair. that's besides the point. I think the Yankees... I st- I truly think the Yankees gained more from this trade than than lost. That's just me. But in any event, am I going to tell you that it's putting them over the top and win- helping them win the win-, win division? Absolutely not. I think the Blue Jays got a- the better third baseman by far, and I don't care that his numbers have dipped over the course of the past few years. I know his batting average is barely above 200. I know Matt Chapman's a guy who probably will go for the home run, but either way he's still a much better fielding third baseman than what we got right now. That's exactly right. I was just going to say, he's a better defensive third baseman. So in that sense, yeah. I don't entirely disagree with your point at all. But But I will say say two things real quick, because I know there are Yankee fans that have been saying this, because they know they're bummed. They're probably bummed about knocking Freeman. They're not, they're bummed about not getting Olsen. But what you learn, but if you look at the trade for Olsen and you look at the trade for Chapman, the Yankees would have had to deep, deep, dip deep into their farm system, and that is something that you've seen that they are not willing to do because, you know, they're very high on Volpe. They're very high on their outfielder, Jason Dominguez. They're, mm-hmm. you know, their they're pitching staff, you know what, they've got – they're pretty deep – they're actually pretty deep in the rotation. They've, they've got mm-hmm. eight or nine guys who they could slot in. Now, after the first one, there are question marks. That is fair. Maybe they need to solid, maybe they need do need to go out there and solidify their rotation with another proven starter. And you've heard maybe Manaya Manaya uh, or uh, Montez from Oakland being the fit, but you do see that. But also with Olson, I mean, look at how much the Braves gave up to get Matt Olson. But it makes it makes sense. But in that regard, I love the fact that they brought back Rizzo because they basically what they basically did, Hank, is they brought him back for one year. Uh, it's a two-year deal, but he can opt out after the first year. So I like this move a lot. The one thing he did last year is he helped the Yankees defensively because, like we've been saying, you know what, Torres was so bad at shortstop, they had to move him back to second. And what that ended up doing was that and that you ended up moving two other guys out of position just to try and please him. And that's why bringing in Rizzo, a very good, solid defensive first baseman, helped them defensively last year. So I have no problem with Rizzo coming back, and especially – when you could give him and him and Freeman very similar kind of similar players, and yet you can give get him for one or two years versus Freeman six for one fifty, that he's probably going to go for, and he may not get because he might be pricing himself out right now. Yeah, no, I agree. I as much as I would have loved to have a Freddie Freeman, I think realistically keeping keeping Rizzo was probably the way to go. Not to mention, I don't know if Freddie Freeman necessarily wanted to come to New York anyway, so. Essentially, you already have a similar player in Freddie Freeman, like you said. You got a guy who is a good left-handed power bat in the lineup. He definitely carried the Yankees during certain parts of that second half where they improved and they had that 13-game win streak. And not to mention, until Teixeira, you haven't had a Yankee first baseman who could like truly play defense and save save you guys and get you a couple outs. So that's definitely a big benefit. Not to mention... Anthony Rizzo is a leader in that clubhouse. I think I don't see any real, real bad thing about keeping him around for another year or two. And look, if he has a bad year, worst case scenario, you just, you just let him opt out. No worries. And if he stays, it's only one more year. That's what it is. Call spade a spade. 
Yeah, you know what's really you know what's really crazy. If you look at the uh, career numbers offensively between Donaldson and Rizzo, they're almost the same. Yeah, but um, the the difference is Rizzo's a better defensive player, which is why I like the I like Rizzo more than I like Donaldson. And Rizzo's been proven to be a healthier player than Donaldson, who's missed a bunch of time the last several years. Like I said. You go back from 2016 on, he's played one, he's had one season where he's played over 150 games. So, you know what? The, the Donaldson trade would have also been worse if they didn't go out and get another person. Yes. No. And I, I, you really, and I really do buy the fact that the Yankees are, are, you know, they're, they, they've really never been before about prospects and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I really do believe that Volpe and Dominguez, they're really high on, they're going to keep him and they're going to be on this team. Volpe could be on this team as early as next year, it looks like. And Dominguez is a couple of years behind that. But, I mean, they if you look at what he's done down in the minors, I mean, he, he's going to be a stud. Absolutely. And he's you know up. what? Like, I'm going to say this. I think I probably we probably would have agree- agreed about the trade if it wasn't for the extra young – the if it wasn't for Kiner, Kiner Falefa and the, the catcher whose name, again, I know it's Brevorp. I can't pronounce his name. <laughs> I probably would have totally been on your side about that trade. But – in any event, yeah, I think the Yankees, they did okay this offseason. I wouldn't call it a win. They should definitely be able to keep to compete for the division. If they can get the production from Severino that they got a couple years ago, that would be a huge plus. And if you can get Garrett Cole from before his injury, who knows? But again, knock on wood, I don't know what's going to happen. The Yankees have historically had a lot of – well. I say historically within the past like five years, they've had bad luck with injuries, but now let me get to the comments. John, sure. I saw those comments earlier. I promise I didn't, I wasn't ignoring you. Trust me. I just, you know how I am with these discussions. So the first comment was hate to see the Braves moving on from Freddie Freeman, but got to understand they gave huge extension to other players. Al is Acuna, but Matt Olson is a stud compare his stats to Freeman. Here's my thing with regards to Freddie Freeman. I think the Braves should have tried to keep Freeman, in all honesty. This guy was the face of the franchise. He was the glue that held that clubhouse together and an MVP candidate the past few years. You could even make the argument that he should have won the MVP last year, too, but that's that's neither here nor there. He wasn't really asking for too much. I think he was asking for just a shade over what Alex Anthopoulos was going to pay him, but... With that having been said, I don't – it's not that I hate the idea of getting Matt Olson to replace Freddie Freeman. I like him a lot, actually. I think he's a great first baseman, puts up good offensive numbers on a year-to-year year basis. But with that being said, you could have kept Freeman and not traded away a good chunk of your prospects. And you could have also kept Freeman without having to worry about, say, a rival like the Los Angeles Dodgers picking him up and winning the world series. And it makes me feel all the more confused as to why they would just go out and splurge on Matt Olson and extend him right away to an eight year contract. When you could have given Freddie Freeman a contract with less years that would have been similar. So logic to me just doesn't, doesn't seem to get why they would go with Olson instead of Freeman. But you know what, with that being said, there's a reason that I've prayed Alex Anthopoulos a lot over the past year and a half with the Braves. He made some shrewd trades. A lot of his really good second half moves panned out. 
and help the Braves win the World Series. An example is Eddie Rosario, who won the NLCS MVP, who they just re-signed. So, again, if it were if it works out in the end for the Atlanta Braves, I wouldn't be entirely shocked. But with that being said, I don't I don't know. It just seems weird to me that you could let Freeman walk potentially to a rival team that could take that could end up costing you World Series championships. So they reported that they offered Freeman five years and between 135 and 140 million before. And he apparently wanted a six year contract. Yeah. Now the Olsen deal, I will say this. The one thing you look at Matt Olson, I mean, he had an unbelievable year last year. And one of the things, the, one of the stats that really stuck out was 22 out of his 39 home runs last year were against left-handed pitching. And he's a lefty. And that batting stance might have something to do with it, but you know, there is some risks involved. You know, you gave up four prospects for him, and then before he has he even has a, a plate appearance in the National League, you're giving him all this money. That would be the concern that, you know, when these players go from American League to National League, it is different in that, you know, the pitching staffs do change. And the NL is going to have – I mean, the NL East, you know, you look at the Mets rotation, they have the potential to uh, be throwing out multiple Cy Young Award winners against you. And you didn't really necessarily have that in the American League West. So it is a different animal in that regard. But Olsen is in his late 20s, and they gave him all this money. So it's not like they're giving him all this this big contract on, on, on the other side of 30. No, you're right. So you're right. That would, that would be the thing. But, you know, there is a little bit of risk involved with all the prospects and the fact that, like I said, you know, going from the American League West to the National League East is an entirely different thing. But – you know, if you offer your guy five years and 140 million and he wants to go six years, um, you know, there's only so much that you can do in your end. And also, let's also be honest, too. You know, this is another product of the lockout. It's March. It's March 16th. You can't be waiting until the last week of spring and maybe not even lock up a first baseman at this point. Because what what's the other option at first base if you're the Braves, if you don't have uh, Freeman there? Yeah, no, you really don't. I you really I don't think they even have really another option. I mean. No, again, again, I get where you're coming from. And I'm not saying, and like I said, I have no problem with the idea of getting Matt Olson. And you're right about his contract. He's in his late 20s. He's going to be in his mid-30s, so it won't hurt them too badly. But And that was my thing right. about Freddie Freeman and the Yankees is, you know, he was 32 years old. I'm not, I don't think you revere the Yankees. You want to be doing this again. You're giving a guy on the north side of 30 a six-year contract. Yeah, I, no. I, think they're, I think they're starting to learn about that. Now, then again, at the same time, they just took $50 million for a 36-year-old in Josh Donaldson. But, and, the, and you know, this is what's going to be interesting with them going after this season is, you know, Aaron Judge is going to be 30 this year, and he's going to be a free agent for the first time. You know, are you going to be willing to give Judge six years at the age 30 or seven? I mean, that's – you kind yeah, of no, wonder. And even with Aaron Judge, as much as I would love for the Yankees to get a deal with done with him, I think the one thing that could be holding them back is even though he's had a lot of freak injuries, that's still, it's still an injury history. Yeah. So you're right. And he had um, a great, he had a great year last year. And let me just say one thing real quick. And then, and again, this is one thing with the Yankees. And then we've been saying this time and time again, and you can say it for a million different reasons. This is why John Carlos stand on the Yankees actually really hurts them because it hampers them in so many different ways. I said this in the, I said this before during the wildcard game, because I was on the show with, um, with James, with, uh, Kyle and with uh, Tom while the Yankees were playing that one game wild card against the Red Sox. And I said, after this season's over, what the Yankees need to do is they need to find a way to trade either judge Gallo or, or Stanton. They cannot go into this season with those three together. And they are, and 
they're three of the same kind of players. And now you have a fourth one. You could, I mean, I guess you could say you had a fourth one in Sanchez and now you got a fourth one in Donaldson. But, you know, that's part of the problem with this team is they are constructed of very similar players. And when the one guy on your team that's not like that was hurt and it affected his offense in LeMahieu last year, that's why you were in that situation where you were even lucky to make the one game wild card. For sure. And uh, let me get to Walt's comments. Yeah, go to Walt. Sorry, Walt. I, gotta, I had to get that off my chest. Yeah, no, no, no. You're all good. Shout out Alec Walt. He's um host uh, he's the host of Down the Block Sports. Definitely give him a subscribe on YouTube. Yeah. That guy puts out content on an almost daily basis. Awesome. Really good. And I've had the pleasure of having Walt a number of times on Heading for the Cycle. And I'm looking forward to having him back when I preview the Yankees Red Sox series to come. Excellent. So um his first comment, Haim needs to sign some inning eaters ASAP. I totally agree with that, especially now that Chris Sale is going to possibly be out for the first week or so, maybe. And he also says, I would love Freeman in Boston, but it has L.A. written all over him. I mean, look, he's a Southern California guy. Yeah, I can see the writing on the wall. And again, this is this is the main reason as to why I think if you're the Atlanta Braves and he goes to that team, then you're gonna then you're gonna seriously regret losing him, especially especially to the Dodgers because they're they've been competition for them for years. Yeah, and I could definitely and I agree with Alex. It does definitely does have LA written all over him. I know they I know the Red Sox have been interested. Supposedly the Rays have had some interest, and even they've been talking about the Blue Jays. But I think the Blue Jays got their guy in Chapman, and they were even talking about the Padres possibly because there had been reports that Hosmer and Will Myers are out on the, on the block as well. But, yeah, I agree. I'd be shocked if he doesn't end up in L.A. And I even said that before, you know, the Yankees made their move with um, with Rizzo. Yeah, absolutely. And getting back to his comment about the pitchers, I think it'll be interesting to see what they can get out of James Paxson. Himes made some really interesting signings. He signed Michael Waka, and now he's getting James Paxson. These are guys who've been – who've kind of been mystery boxes, but they have had injury history. So it'll be interesting to see what he's doing, but he's not really spending a lot of the money like past Red Sox GMs have been. But then again, this is a guy who worked with the Tampa Bay Rays. This is another GM who I think we should probably give the benefit of the doubt. Cause if you look at that Rays roster that went to the world series, that was mostly his construction. Yep, for sure. And let me talk. Let me go back to Suggs' other comment about the A's. Oakland A's in rebuild mode sent sent all star first baseman Matt Olson away and an all star pitcher Chris Bass away. By the way, let me talk about the Mets briefly for a bit before we. Um, I'll try to wrap up as many MLB offseason signings as I can. I think the Mets definitely won that trade. I mean, look, is it a risky trade? Absolutely, because one of the pitchers that they gave away is in their top 10 for minor leagues, but. Now they have a true number three starter in that rotation, which is something that they didn't have last year. I know Tywin Walker had that good stretch at the beginning of the season, but if you rely on him, Tyler McGill and Peterson after Scherzer and DeGrom, I don't think that's, I don't think the rotation is as stable as people think. So definitely a good get, but with that being said, I also think they need to improve and get some help with the bullpen too. I know that they, who was that relief pitcher they signed? I'm blanking on his name. Adam Adovino. Yes, Adovino. What am I – how can I forget that? Another brain fart that I'm having. <laughs> Adam Adovino that they, they signed for a short contract. I think he could help them, but they still have to replace Aaron Loop, who is a good lefty specialist. So well, I think they did they bring in Jason okay. Shreve again today. Uh, to, they signed him again today. 
Oh God, former Yankee legend Jason Shreve. Yep. And I, out of, how about Adovino going from the Yankees to the Red Sox and then to the Mets? What a transit! What a what that's a, what a three year career that is, right? That's pretty funny, actually. I'm not. Gonna yeah. Lie. I mean, you don't so, see many of those. Um, let me just get to the Mets here. Uh, yeah, go for it. I like the Bassett trade a lot because you know it does definitely uh, extend that rotation because. As well as good as Degrom and Scherzer can be, remember that you know they're getting up there in age, and Degrom's coming off that injury plague the year last year. Scherzer's thirty-seven. That's why a lot of people have to realize, you know, as much as they're excited about Scherzer being here, he's getting forty-three million dollars this season at age thirty-seven. That's a little risky, and I think the Mets' window is not as long as people think it is because there's a potential that four four parts of their rotation could be free agents at the end of this year. DeGrom, and DeGrom has already announced that he's going to opt out after this year, which is a big risk. He's 30, mm-hmm. Remember, DeGrom's going to be 33 next year. Him, just like he just like Judge, came up very late in their mid to late 20s. So he's going to be – so that's going to be quite a risk. You know, he's going to gamble on himself. He could go out there and get a one-year – you could go out there next year and get one year in between 35 and $40 million, possibly. But you look at DeGrom could be free agent. Well, we know he is because he already announced that. Uh, Carrasco – uh, Taiwan Walker and Chris Bassett, but I do like the Bassett trade because now you can extend that rotation. Right now, they're all healthy. Carlos Carrasco is your fifth starter, and that's not too shabby. I was and waiting then- for Tom to comment when once we brought up the Mets. He asked if there is there even a window. Good question. Listen, there's a reason why, and I'm not saying this because I'm a hardcore Yankee fan or somebody who's just like looking to trash the Mets for no reason. I really honestly, truly think that the Mets should have tried to like hit the reset a couple years ago. I really, I even said after their season ended, I did not think they were in any position to try to go all in win now. And the reason I say that is because their farm systems like not too great. And not to mention you just traded one of your minor league pitchers for Chris Bassett. If that guy turns into a hall of famer, ah, no big deal. And if Chris Bassett somehow doesn't pan out, Oh, well, but with in any event, I think right now, if they can stay healthy, they could compete for the National League East. I'm still not putting, even with the loss of Freddie Freeman, though, I'm still not putting them ahead of the Braves because you still have a lot of your main core from the World Championship around them. Yeah, they they're they're going to eventually lose Freeman, and then they did just lose Jack Peterson to the San Francisco Giants, which, by the way, I think that's an underrated signing for San Francisco. I think that pride provides them some good experience in the outfield but six million right oh yeah no that's a great that's a great sign for the giants but back to the mets for a bit Mm -hmm. i think even though their roster looks decent on paper i'm really like skeptical about them because you just know somebody in that whether it be in the rotation or whether it be in the lineup is going to get hurt well and i'll say this too i don't think you can under i don't i think the phillies are a team to actually also watch too i think not a lot is being mentioned about them, and look what they've done now. They've got, they've signed, they signed Familia from the Mets. They signed Brad Hand to be in that bullpen yep. too, and then today they went out and signed Schwarber. And could you imagine Kyle Schwarber and Bryce Harper in, at Citizens Bank Park? I mean, my my gosh! I mean, Schwarber's going to be hitting 450 home run, a uh, 450 foot home runs in that ballpark. And with now with the universal DH, he can DH with Phillies next season. So that that, that, that actually is very scary to me. And, you know, in that ballpark, if he's healthy, I mean, look, he only played 113 games last year and he hit 38 home runs. So, uh, yeah, that if he's healthy, him and and, uh, and Harper, 
That's that's a that's a scary uh, lineup over there in Philadelphia, and I think that's one to look at too. I think the Mets are going to be banking on a, once again. We've been talking about this too with them before. They're banking on a lot of ifs going mm-hmm. into next season. You know, Alonzo I think is a given, but everybody else on that team is a big if. McNeil had a down year. J.D. Davis, Dom Smith's very good, but you know now you've got Cano who didn't play obviously last year because of the suspension. And mm-hmm. you don't have Michael Conforter, who I know is an inconsistent player, but he's he was still uh, allowed to give you some stuff. I mean, the Canna signing's nice. The Marte signing's yep. all right. So, I mean, they've, they've got some pieces there, but there's still a lot of ifs with them. And, yeah. you know, exactly. bullpen, uh, Edwin Diaz, you know, you don't you don't really know about him a lot. I know a lot of Mets fans are not that thrilled about him, but, you know, that bullpen's a big if. I'd be very curious when you do your – when we do your baseball preview show with the uh, – projection is for the Mets because I'm not I'm there's a lot of concern with them going into the season I know the rotation could be real good but that's also a very kind of fragile rotation too again I'm gonna get a lot of, I'm probably gonna get a lot of backlash for this comment but low-key I wouldn't be shocked if the Phillies somehow overtook them again for second place because to your point that you brought up I like the addition of Kyle Schwarber for them four-year contract you're getting him in his late 20s he's not going to be on that he's not going to be there for too long and on that wrong side of 30 parts so that's a win for them for sure and then you also got him surrounded by JT Realmuto you've got Bryce Harper and you got Reese Hoskins in that lineup that's a lineup that can mash however with that being concerned it's not like I don't have any concerns for the Phillies at all because their starting rotation is a big question mark We know Zach Wheeler is probably not going to be healthy enough to make his opening day start. And that's a cause for concern because this was a guy who carried the Phillies actually carried to be an understatement. He was probably the reason the Phillies were even above 500. If we're, if we're being honest and while hand and familia are good signings, I've seen familia be very up and down with the Mets. So I'm really, I'm not, if they, if they overtook the Mets, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised, but, let me put it this way. To me, the Phillies remind me they're basically a beer league softball team. <laughs> you don't have pitching and you don't have defense because their defense last year was horrible. Oh, but yeah. you gotta get you gotta line up that can match. So beer league softball is, is basically what the Phillies are to me. <laughs> Let me tell you, if they they're wanting to um if they're if they're trying to speed up the game, that's not gonna work over there. And yeah, Alec Walt I looks like Walt agrees with me. He's not a Phillies yeah. guy this year. And yeah, Buck Show Walter yeah. too. I mean I, I do like the Buck Showalter thing. I think that will definitely help I them. do agree with that, though. I think if the Mets were going to hire a manager and if they were going to even try to compete, even though between you and me and I'm no Tom, Tom agrees with me, the Mets probably are not in that position to try to go all in. But I do agree that if you're going to hire a manager for that, Buck is the right guy. And absolutely, you need a Lindor bounce back. You're paying him all that money. Yeah, and you know, and in September he actually looked very good, and his numbers at the end of the day didn't actually turn out to be that bad. But he really never got going until late in the season. That was the problem. And you had a lot of down years, almost similar like with the Yanks. You had a lot of down years from guys that so they all bounced back. You know, Mets could, like I said, the Mets are going to be an interesting team because they are a team that could win ninety games, and I could also see them being under mm-hmm. five hundred. It is it is that it is that weird. And then you know you have to wonder after this season, and you know you hate to say it, but you look at it when four fifths of the rotation, including the ace of your staff, who's you know been a bright spot constantly, could be free agents after this year. And Degrom's already announced that he's going to opt out because he probably sees that 
you know, his number two starter is making $43 million at age 37. And DeGrom actually, you can make the argument, even been a better pitcher than him. Uh, mm-hmm. It's It definitely creates kind of an interesting situation for the Mets. Yeah, no, I agree. And um, before we transition into Marsh Madness, which we got to talk about at some point before the show yeah. ends because of the time, I do want to bring up the Chris Bryant contract. He went to the Colorado yeah. Rockies. I believe it was a seven-year contract. This one really puzzled me. Yeah, that there were least. definitely talks. There were talks about seven him years, one hundred eighty-two million dollars. Yeah, seven years, one hundred eighty-two million. Uh, I know there were talks from the Rockies that they were going to go after him, but yeah, no, it definitely uh, is a bit of a surprise for sure. Um, you look at that ball. You look though at the NL West. I mean. It's definitely nice for the Rockies. I, I don't know what to make of it. It's actually more of a surprise than anything because I, I know they were in, they were there were talks with him earlier, but wow, yeah, him going there and I mean the money is one thing, but in that in in that I'm just trying to think with everybody else that's there right now in Colorado. Yeah, he's gonna have to be the guy. Yeah, and um, let me read off a tweet that somebody that I just saw. This guy goes, Chris Bryant fills an important need for the Rockies. Now all they need is a couple starters, five bats, fewer levers, and a better farm system. Sounds <laughs> about right. <laughs> well, when you, let's, you know, when you look at it, um, obviously Arenado's no longer there. Trevor Story, I think, is, is hit the free agency market. Um, and here's what's going to be weird to me. Remember when? Remember the whole thing that happened with Nolan Arenado? I wonder yeah. what Dick Monfort's expectation will be when – when the press conference happens about signing Chris Bryant. Like if you look at the Rockies, the Rockies have been a team that's like boggled my mind for a while. This is a team that like, they're like a, a, they're like a very fashionable like decoration. But when you look on the inside, they're like totally hot. Like you'll see, they'll have a Trevor story or like other names. Like they've had a history of signing a lot of names, but it's never worked out for them. Well, I would say that actually their homegrown players have actually been very, very good. Oh no, no, their homegrown players are fine. I'm talking about the, the like the free agents they've signed. Oh yeah, no, the free agent signings definitely have been a um, have not panned out for sure. Oh, that's an understatement. Like, I don't think I don't think the Rockies have had any big free agent that's actually worked in their favor over the past few years. So, well, I mean, you look at their team. I mean, I was just looking at them right now and. You know, Ryan McMahon's a very good player. Um, they still have Charlie Blackman, but Charlie Blackman's now 34. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam Hilliard's in the outfield. I mean, he had a he he had 14 home runs last year. Uh, CJ Crone, who played first base with McMahon as well. I mean, he had a power year, but I mean that it's a team that really doesn't really have a lot of pieces. No, and and- their, their pitching staff. I mean, their their pitching has been has not been great at all. And if you look at the track record of Montfort, the reason he's gone after a lot of those free agents is to like, try to sell the bottom line. Like he'll put, he'll put outfielders in out of position. He'll put Ian Desmond in outfield just to like put names in the lineup and to sell fans in there. And remember he signed, he signed Nolan Arenado to that monstrous extension for the same reason to try to get interest. But then, when it turned out he really signed him just so that he could eventually trade him later when he pulled that whole stuff with him. It, it goes to, it goes to show you that their owner is essentially, he's a businessman. He's not a guy that like 
knows how to opt. He's an owner that really should be nowhere near a major league ball baseball team. It's also very difficult when you have the Dodgers who just run over everybody in that division and the Giants who, you know, had a great year last year. And then they had a stretch where they won three world series in five years. So um, Giants could be, I think the Giants will still be in the mix this year. Yeah. I mean that, that not much really changed from them. And then we saw they brought in Peterson so, I mean, I, I, you got to consider that they're still going to be up there. You know, you can't ever count out the Dodgers. And um, even though they lost Kevin Gossman, they replaced him with Carlos Rodon, which I think is a nice yeah. – he was the first free agent that actually signed after the logout. That was a nice little yes. under-the-radar signing for the Giants. So, now you have him. You have Logan Webb, who is absolutely filthy in the second half. If you can get the same production from Logan Webb this season with Carlos Rodon – and remember, you you gave Rodon a two-year, $44 million contract. That's a win. And yeah. and Anthony Desclafani, too. He's been another decent pitcher. That's a that's a sneaky good pitching rotation. I know they don't have the hype the Mets have, but they're decent. Yeah, and the Padres, you got to think, are going to take a step back now, especially with the Tatis injury. It's going to affect it's going to affect them. So, and he just I just saw he underwent the wrist surgery this morning. So, and Tatis is one of those, and you know that was an impact of the lockout. You know, because let's say that happens in, when it happened in December and the training staff could figure that out. If he has surgery in December, maybe he makes opening day. Mm-hmm. So that, that's a that's a big blow to the Padres. So you can't underestimate that. And you know what? As much as you want to blame Tatis for the poor judgment, you also the lockout hampered the, hampered the efforts to, for him to recover quickly. It did. No, the Padres are another team that's like tried to go all in, but. Again, and they'll still be up games. there too. So the Rockies have to face, you know, three very challenging opponents in that divi- in that division. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I also think could just be a situation though with with yeah. Bryant real quick that you know what money was out there. I mean, I don't think I don't think anybody was going to seven years with Chris Bryant. No, for sure. And he's anyways. What, he's, uh, he's he's thirty. Bryant. Yeah, he's a uh, yeah. You're right. He is thirty. So that's you know what that that's that's what we've been talking about. Aaron Judge with the Yankees. I mean, let's bring back to the Yankees real quick. But Judge is going to be thirty after this season. That's uh, something to watch. You know, if let me ask you, if you're a Yankee fan, would you give seven years and one hundred eighty million dollars to Aaron Judge at eight, after this season? It's a tough one because again, I. As much as I think Aaron Judge should be a Yankee for life, and trust me, if there's any, if there's any Yankee on the on the roster right now that deserves such a contract, it's Aaron Judge. That's my honest opinion. But when you base it on what when you base what's happened to him, like with the injuries, I'm not a hundred percent sure. That's that's my one thing. But in any event, real a lot of intriguing moves have happened. Really looking forward to the start of this baseball season, and I really can't wait to continue talking more about baseball once hitting for the cycle starts back up again. Yeah, and I'll just close out with this. Here's something to watch. It's March 16th, and five huge stars are left on the market. Correa is still not signed. Freeman still not signed. Trevor Story not signed. Nick Castellanos mm-hmm. is still out there. Uh, and Michael Conforto. You know, those are guys that still have not been signed yet, and – we are now three weeks from tomorrow away from opening day. Mm-hmm. I know hitters doesn't take them long to get ready and, and such, but you know what? This guy's going to have to sign soon. I'd imagine by the time this show's uh, back on next week that most of those guys will be signed. 
Oh, I would, I would totally bet my house. See, like on. we said, you know, it, it's so late in the year. It's so late now. It's late early. It's it's a yogi. It's a yogiism. It gets late, it's late early, early out there. Yeah, my right? favorite, one of my favorite yogiisms. It's a favorite yogiism. It's getting late early. So in any we'll event, something we'll watch in the next week or so, and uh, Matt, and see where those guys end up. In any event, you want to get to March Madness? Sure, because we sure didn't. We didn't even need to get to the NCAA tournament for March to be madness. It's been madness in so many different ways, whether it's been, you know, the baseball, the football, heck now you've got the winter sports starting to wind down with their, where they're much watched, where they're must watch every night. And now we've officially got the NCAA tournament. We're in the middle of the first four. The real fun though gets going tomorrow. And I tell you this tournament, it, it's the best structured event in all of sports. I cannot wait. I wish I wasn't working tomorrow because then I'd be able to like watch a, a game or two. And maybe since I'm going to be going to the game against the Islanders, I could go to New York city a little bit earlier so I could watch the games at like a bar and then walk over to the game right afterwards. Yeah. The, the Thursday, Friday, they, the first game starts off at 12 15 Eastern. And then like then again, every- maybe that's for the best because it's St. Patrick's day in New York city and St. Patrick's day might be a little crazy. But oh, I, you know what? As take it from somebody who's been in New York. Net, I haven't gone to the parade, but I've been in New York city for actually a Ranger game on St. Patrick's day. Mm-hmm. And it is, it, it's, it's fun. And you know what you factor now it's been two years since, uh, COVID hit and things seem mm-hmm. to be returning to normal. I, it, it's going to, it's going to be epic. That's for sure. I got it. I got a bet I'm going to tomorrow night and I know it's going, it's going to be wild, but um, yeah, no. So, you know, I will say this about the tournament, this, the reason why I'm really looking forward to it this year, Hank, is I think this is mm-hmm. as wide open as tournament as I can remember. Oh yeah, no, for sure. I mean, look, I did it. Well, to be fair, I do this every year when I make my bracket, but I just completed my bracket like a couple hours before the before the show show started. <laughs> I completely blind guessed my way with doing my bracket. And again, I could be horribly wrong on this, but I I don't know about you. I actually picked Duke beating uh it was either Auburn or, or or Illinois. I can't remember which one it was. I know it was a team with the orange and blue color scheme, but I I know I picked Duke to win it all. But then again, to be fair, I picked Duke. I've picked Duke in the past few years. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. And I remember the one year I actually won a tournament when one of my friends groups, I think it was when I picked UNC. So seems I pick a lot of teams from the great state of North Carolina, but it is what it is. And I tell you, Duke is one of those teams that I actually am having a tough time figuring out because I could see them making the final four and making the championship. I could also see them going out really early because you, you know, like games against North Carolina, coach K's last game, at Cameron Indoor, you know, they look dominant early or mm-hmm. and, or they they, they kind of get off their slow start and they have a dominant stretch and then they falter down the stretch in the second half. They've had games where they've jumped out to 31-9 leads and then they've had games where they've been as flat as a pancake. So the, the one th- – I, I tell you, though, the, the the bracket that they're in, you know, that division – that um th- that that side of it with Gonzaga. Gonzaga actually who I think is the best – I think is the best team. They've also mm-hmm. are in the most interesting bracket to me because they've got Duke. They've got, you know, they have opponents in that division, in that uh, in that region, in that region. That's where I was looking for. Uh, they have teams in that region that actually have beat them. So, um, you know, it's, 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 it's a tough thing to figure out. I, that's what I'm trying to say. I think, I think Gonzaga is the best team. I, as much as Baylor's up there, I, you know, they've had problems this year. And now supposedly their leading scorer actually is going to be out 
this potentially out this weekend. So I Arizona, I think, can make a deep run too. But I tell you, I mean, I'm struggling with this. I mean, I'm I'm doing a a a preview show tomorrow morning, and I'm still having a tough time trying to figure this thing out. I do like Gonzaga a lot, but I also think they're in the toughest region. So that's the thing you got to look at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. I think Gonzaga Gonzaga is the team that a lot of people have been telling me is the real favorite to win it all. So, but I think I, I think I picked them to get out in the elite eight or the sweet. I, I don't know. I don't usually have my brackets memorized unless it's the winner. Cause like I said, Mm -hmm. that shows you how little I know with college basketball, make no mistake. I enjoy, I only really enjoy watching it when it's like the, the March madness part. And like, even then, like most of the games in, in that sport really mean nothing until you get to like late February and early Exactly. March. Yeah. I, I say this. I don't usually pay attention to it until after the Super Bowl because it really starts – it really doesn't become that important until you enter conference play late February right into the conference tournaments because the number one seeds, they change so much. It's not like college football where every game matters. You know, you can have a stinker in college basketball and get in. Heck, you, all you need to do is win your conference tournament and you, can, and, and you get an automatic bid. And I love watching, like, you know, the non-conference, the non-major tournaments uh, and and their teams. And if you've seen some of the conference tournament play, it's actually been quite exciting. So, mm-hmm. but, yeah, no, so we're in the middle of the first four games uh, right now. And then tomorrow it gets going for real at 12-15 Eastern. And then you've got a game, like, every 20, 20, 20 25 minutes. Uh, you, it's, you know, you need, you need multiple TVs and multiple devices to keep up with all the action. It is the best structured tournament. I, I always yeah. say this. I think this is the best tournament of, of and the best postseason play of really all sports just because of the way it's structured. The single elimination, it's got the just the perfect number of teams. You know, it's not like these other sports where we talked about with the expanded playoffs where, where quality is more than quantity. I think you get it perfectly here with this. Yeah, for sure. I'm definitely looking forward. And again, I wish I could, again, I wish if I wasn't at work, I wish there was a way where I could somehow stream the games that are going on during the day. But then again, maybe I will. I mean, after all, I did the same thing when I was in high school and when I was in college, whenever I'd have class, whenever I was in (laughs) high school, I would like sneak on my phone, see what was going on during class. And like, I would get updates from like whoever was sitting around me. And then when I was in college, it got to the point where I'd be bringing my laptop every day in class and I would have like multiple tabs open. Then I'd get to like, I think it was like the true TV was where what had all the games. Yeah. So it's on, it's on between CBS, TNT, TBS, and true TV. It's all the Turner networks that get it. And the true TV channel, like internet carried like all the games. You could like put them on whatever they were on. Yeah. It was one of the best things ever invented by far. But absolutely for sure. In any event, speaking of madness, I think we're going to end the show talking about our beloved New York Rangers and, They had a pretty rough stretch in this road trip. Mm -hmm. They got blown out by the Minnesota wild. That one, you pretty much, that one I pretty much saw coming because you knew Georgiev was going to get that start and he hadn't started in a while. Whenever he starts for the first time, he gets, he gets blown out. Like that's the problem with having a rusty backup goaltender who really should be a starter if you were on any other team. And then a couple days later, Igor has an uncharacteristically bad performance I believe that was a St. Louis game. Yes. St. Louis, the Thursday night, they gave up four goals and he got pulled pretty early. 
And then they had to play Georgiev the rest of that one. So a lot of people were panicking after that stretch of games for the Rangers. However, with that being said, I think you have to come realize this. Like Igor played a lot. Eventually he was going to have a bad game here or there. Like, I think we ought to give him a free pass. And then it continued to look bad against Dallas when he gave up those goal, two goals within the first five minutes. But then out of nowhere, the Rangers offense explodes. They score seven. So they salvage that road trip. They go two and two. And then I was at last night's game. I think I showed you the picture of where I was sitting after, like we were talking about our plans for the show. Yeah. And, you know, as I've always said, when doing these shows, the best thing about the Rangers being good is because, first of all, they're the best team in the New York metropolitan area right now. It's not close. Yeah. And it's really good to have a good team to root for for once when you have the Yankees, who I think will be okay, but we know like they'll be good enough to get in, but they'll probably get bounced pretty quickly. That's fair. We've already discussed the Giants and how much how miserable they've made us the past decade. So yeah, the less I've I've said enough about the Giants on this show and a lot of shows <laughs> on Review and Preview. And yeah. now you have the Rangers, who they're not an on like a big favorite to like win the cup. In fact, I'm still not sure what to expect out of them. They'll have moments where they'll look good, but they also will sometimes play a lot of games where Igor will bail them out. So. It's been really interesting to watch them. Now, the best part about watching them is when I go to the games, like every, the more games that I've been going to the later in the season, the garden is absolutely rocking. And listen, this is coming from someone who goes to like, you know, 20, 20, 30 games a year. When I went at the beginning of the season, the garden was kind of dead. And I think that's because more people were trying to like still, be more wary about going into the city after like the whole pandemic or there there's probably a lot of factors to that. But I think now when you have a goalie, who's like been setting the world on fire. And when you have Chris Kreider, who has been, who just scored his 39th goal in last night's comeback over the Anaheim ducks. And when you have Adam Fox, who even after that rough, rough stretch of games, he played where some people are speculating he's had an injury. He still had 61 points. That's more points than games they played this whole season. Which is amazing, yeah. So, and now today they made a little bit of news. They got Frankie Vetrano from the Florida Panthers for a fourth-round pick. I think that's definitely a good pick. You know, you I, I said before when talking about the Rangers with you, the bottom six definitely is in need of depth. And yeah. now you get a guy who's yeah. a good winger. Why the Panthers got rid of him, I'm guessing it's because they're trying to make room on their roster because it looks like they're going to be going all into. And the fact that they would even deal him to a playoff contender was kind of surprising. But with that being said, you can probably set, send down one of the guys such as the Dryden Hunts or the Greg McHeggs. And, you know, either between Gautier and Johnny Brzezinski. Brzezinski, by the way, since he's been called up, has been playing some really good cock. He actually scored his first goal last night absolute snipe against the absolute the anaheim ducks i don't know if you saw that goal i did sort of i saw it on replay this morning yep but you, you know you're talking about all these names mm-hmm. and you're talking about all the production and stuff and you know that's what makes it what's what you know helps make this team great is you know all the players that are stepping up you know you've got a Kreider who's now going who's closing on 40 goals i think we even said it last time we were on together hank that mm-hmm. you know, they were definitely going to be you know, tested this month. They had a kind of they had a challenging schedule. They have one coming yeah. up these next couple of games. 
But, you know, they're still holding their own. And as long as they're able to tread water, and we even said it too, that we thought that Chris Drury was going to be active before the trade deadline, which is this upcoming Monday. I don't think this is going to be the last last oh, no. piece they Far go for. Point. I think they're going to make another push. But, you know, the depth that they have on this team, look, every great team, doesn't matter what sport you have, has great depth. So mm-hmm. I like I like the way it's going. You know, chemistry is another thing too. But hockey's one of those sports that, you know what, it's just you get hot at the right time. That helps as well. But I really like the direction that this team is going. And it is a bit of a surprise. It's probably another reason why you said, like, you know, when the Garden was pretty quiet to start, I don't think anybody thought they were going to be this di- uh, this this dynamite. But Keep I mean, in mind, I thought they were going to be maybe – I thought they were either going to be a wild card team or in the top in like the number three spot. That was where I That's, that was my yeah. I was leaning career. towards that as as well. I I didn't think they'd be this this great. I mean, it's, like, it's it's a great it's it's a great story. Like you said, you know, it's it's nice to be talking about some positive New York sports action. So yeah, now, now we're gonna find out really what they're made of here these next couple of weeks with the schedule that they've got. You know, the they got the you're going tomorrow night. They're playing right. They're playing the Islanders tomorrow, who always yep. gives Rangers a tough time, and then. You know, coming up, they've got the Lightning. They've got the Hurricanes. You know, they've got to still play Pittsburgh twice this month. So, good a good test upcoming here. And, yeah, I, I do think they're going to need at least one more player, and I do think they will pull it off because, like you said, they do have the pieces to do that without digging too deep into their system. But we'll, we'll see. But definitely, a, it's definitely great to watch. I mean, the, the game against the uh, – you know, we were actually when you and I were back on that game against the Blues a couple of weeks ago was was amazing. You know, because they jump out to an early lead, they give up a couple of they give mm-hmm. up three quick goals, and they still then you know have the resiliency to come back in that one. So you know, they're they're a team that you know what can have a down moment and then bounce back. They don't have a long losing streak. That's what you notice. You know, they may have a, a clunker here or there, but it doesn't last long, and that you've got to no. like. That's the yeah, thing. No, you know, they, they, and that, that's been a good test. You know, that's been, you know, that's been credit to, to Gallant as well. You got to be fair because this is a team that will have a down game, but it doesn't stretch out into a down week. That's the sign of a well-coached team. Yeah. That's the sign of a well-coached team. And the way they came back against the St. Louis Blues, that's the sign of a team that has good character. You know, any other year that you would see the Rangers give up three goals on three shots in a row like that to end the second period, you would have assumed that was a loss. If this was David Quinn, there's no shot they win that game. Oh, like, I'm sure. sorry. And I'm not trying to, like, knock Dave Quinn. I thought he did okay, all things considered, maybe his second year. But at the end of the day, I think you knew he was not going to be the coach long term. And if you, when you look at what Gerard Gallant's done, he has gotten the most out of a lot of his players. Like, Chris Kreider is a big example. Like, so many times we've been said, when's this guy going to get 30 goals? When's this guy going to do such and such? Now he's finally been used to what he's capable of. He's now crashing the net and going for going right in front of the front of there when he should be and picking up those rebounds and scoring the goals. That's why he's leading the league. And a lot of people are telling me, Oh, he's, he's scoring because he's like 10 feet in front of that. No, that's because he's in the right place at the right time. That's a sign of a good hockey player. That's how, that's how Alexei Lafreniere is scoring a lot of his goals. So like, I don't think that's a bad thing at all. In fact, I like that he's elevating his game. And the real thing, I the real reason I was happy that they kept Kreider around, even though some, even though maybe they may have overspent just a little bit on Chris Kreider, was this guy has pure leadership traits. Like if you look at the way he talks, 
he never like takes the credit. Like whenever he score scores a goal, you look at his interviews, like he's always saying, like giving his teammates credit. I don't know why that guy wasn't given the C. I mean, the only other, you could maybe make the argument for Mika's advantage had to be captain too. And I, I probably felt that during certain parts, but to me, I really think Kreider should have been the captain just because one, he's been there for a long time. And two, you just look at his mannerisms and like the way he plays, like, He's the senior ranger and he's been he's been through some some good years, some near misses, and he's also been through some lean years. It just makes a lot of sense. And I think really he really is the captain. If you really look at like the way the Rangers locker room is, he's the he's the glue that holds that team together. Yeah, it kind of reminds me a lot of the the team from the the first year post lockout, the 0506 team, where you know mm-hmm. when the, when they didn't have a captain, but you felt like Yager was the captain of the team. This team almost in some ways reminds me of that team a, a, a bit because they came out, you know, they were a team that really came out of nowhere and have taken off and, you know, what are surprising a lot of people. I think they're a little bit different because I think this team was like, the difference was this, that season just came out of nowhere. Cause like for so many years, Glenn Sather was like spending money, like a drunken sailor Sail, trying yeah. to get names. Oh, don't get me started about that guy. No, but <laughs> The past few years, though, they finally went about it the right way. Because, again, I'll never forget when when Jeff Gordon released the letter. Like, he said, you know, straight up, we're going to be trading a lot of these guys, but it's going to be for the good in the long run. And right now, that's it's really starting to play out. Now, granted, obviously, management's changed since that letter happened. You now have Chris Drury in the general manager's chair. Jeff yeah. Gordon's now the president of the Montreal Canadiens. And, not to mention, you didn't even have, you didn't even have John Davidson yet, and then John Davidson got fired shortly after that season last year. But yeah, here's what here was my assessment of the Rangers before the season. Given that they were making progress in those two seasons, like the year before, like when they came pretty close, when Igor was playing out of his mind, like after he got called up, and then when you look at last year, how they probably should have made the playoffs, but there there was like a lot of bad luck that happened and that was probably the reason they didn't make it like i'm not going to get into what happened last year last year was just a weird season overall like yeah. my honest opinion assessment about the rangers and brian brian atard who i met up with at a game a, a couple weeks ago shout out brian if you're watching this hmm. brian atard told me like and he and i think a lot of other people agreed with me if the rangers don't make the playoffs this year something went horribly wrong and you know what? What do you know? Here, here they are now. And yeah, are there moments where there could be better? Yeah. Like you'd love to see Artemi Panarin get more goals, but who knows? Maybe with, with the trade deadline, maybe you get more wing depth. Maybe he'll get, he'll have chances to score. I think, I think all it really takes, if Artemi Panarin gets on a really hot stretch over the course of the next month and a half, I truly think he's probably going to be the key to the Rangers if they can make a deep run because he is one of the more talented players that I've seen. He has got an incredible hockey IQ. He's a great player. It's just a matter of how he performs. I think what I really want to see less from him is him trying to like stop forcing that pass to say a Dryden hunt for a goal, like when he has the chance to shoot the puck himself. Yeah, that that's all very fair. Uh, Hank, I got, uh, you pretty, pretty much said everything that I was going to say to that. So, um, but yeah, no. So then, I guess the one thing you would, you would watch for this week, if you're a Ranger fan or if you're a hockey fan in general, is that upcoming trade deadline. Which I will say, 
that's always must see TV. I mean, if I'm not working that day, I'll I'll put it on NHL Network and I'll and TSN and I'll watch that thing because for several hours because it is the best. It's the best trade deadline coverage in in all of sports. Yeah, it, it it definitely is. It's this coming Monday, and I'm sure we'll have stuff on that coming up. But yeah, no, I mean it's 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 this is a this is a, a great story for for this franchise and for you know New York sports because we need we need a team like that and. I think they do have the potential to make a deep run here, and I do think they'll make a move or two before Monday for sure. Yeah, definitely. And like I said, it's gonna. And look, I'm not gonna say that it's that it's easy by any stretch of the imagination, oh, no, for sure. Because the Eastern Conference is gonna be an absolute bloodbath. Like yeah. you still, even if you improve your team, you're still gonna have to deal with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Pittsburgh has had a really hot stretch this year. Whether they peak too early or not, who knows? But I think they're going to be an absolute threat. We we have to play them twice in within the next month. Actually, we play them again on April 7th, too. Incidentally, that's going to be like right after opening day. So that should be a crazy day for New York sports. That is and, wait, April 7th. That is opening day. Yeah, we play the we play the Penguins that night at MSG. Yes, and you know what? Somebody had said they were going to try and pull off the doubleheader of going to the Yankee game and going to that. I'm doing that. Well, I already got the my Yankee game is going to be in the afternoon, though, right? I think it's one one oh five. Yes. Okay. Just, after the Yankee game ends, I'm probably going to like take the subway to <laughs> Madison Square Garden. I've never done that before, actually. Like I've done double headers. Actually, no, that's not true. I've done a double header before. When I went to Florida for spring break in years past, I've seen I would see the Yankees play spring training game, and then incidentally, there were two two instances where I went to spring training, and the Rangers just so happened to be in Florida at the same time. So I saw them play the lightning at Amelie arena, which by the way, is one of the best road arenas in the NHL. I love Amelie arena. You have to, if you haven't been there already, I strongly recommend checking out a game there. You would think that for, you'd be surprised how great of an experience it is for like Florida. Yeah. Hockey. I think I remember when I, one year when I was very little, I used to actually go to, I was actually, when I was in Florida, I actually did go to a uh, Florida Panthers practice. Yeah, That's, no, it's it's, it's it, a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, you don't think of Florida really as a hockey state, but they're actually really into it. You know, if the Panthers make a deep, if the Panthers do make a deep run, I mean, they they they're very passionate down there. And then the Lightning too. You know, Lightning have always been, you know, they've been very consistent these last several years as well. I guess my one hockey story that I would bring up real mm-hmm. quick would be the fact that Alex Ovechkin moved into third place in the all-time scoring list. Uh, passing Yager, and I don't know if you saw the uh, the tribute video or the the moment that Yager uh, said, but he was he pointed at Ovechkin at the very end and said, "Hey, keep scoring because I could come back and break that record." <laughs> and you know what? For a second, I kind he's of still, believed it because still Yager it. still looks like he's still playing, even though he's fifty. It, you know what's crazy? Alex Ovechkin probably would might still have it even when he's in his sippies. The dude's the dude's got gray hair and he's still got it right. I now. tell you though, I mean it's it's quite amazing to think that Ovechkin's got 767 career goals. Cuz Oh, for sure. It's I mean it's 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 unbelievable. I mean it also just proves like how long he's been in the league and like you know he came up it was I think his first year was right was the year after the lockout too. So that's been 18 years now. And you know what? I mean in some ways it's crazy to think this but it's almost he's like underrated because when he came up, all the talk was also with Sid. And so, but, I mean, what he's done, look, I mean, arch rival, what he's done to the Rangers his whole career too. But mm-hmm. you have to respect 
what what he's done throughout his career. Oh, no, I've enjoyed and, watching Ovechkin even. And there's no signs. And the thing is, and I think you were going to say this, there's no signs of him slowing down, too. Exactly. So correct. He could, keep, he could keep doing this easily for another couple of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, no. You know, I'm, another team I didn't even get into was the Carolina Hurricanes. Like, again, you've got that, – that's a team with a lot of depth. you got some former Rangers producing. I know D'Angelo's been out with an injury, but I think he's been one of their – key pieces in their turnaround and obviously it sucks the way that happened with the Rangers but yeah again it is what it is and look on the bright side if they didn't let Tony D'Angelo go they wouldn't have been able to sign Adam Fox that that's same. right yeah exactly and the thing is too the Rangers still play him three times this year oh my playing, gosh and you know they play Sunday in Carolina I actually almost was going to go to that game up in Raleigh I did that once before but uh, the schedule just didn't work out for me but they play him in Raleigh Sunday and then they play him twice at the Garden in April yeah, no, that's going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, it, it, Igor hasn't even started against that team. So, again, who knows? He can steal one. And, again, if the Rangers get hot, don't be surprised. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if they won a round or two. Because, like, you re- you look at how these playoff games go. A lot more often than not, you're not always going to get the seven, six games in the playoffs. You're going to get, like, the three, two, or the two to one games. And mm-hmm. often, oftentimes... You need a you need that hot goalie to like steal a win every now and then. And I think if you look at the Rangers deep runs of the past years, Henrik Lundqvist was a big factor. And I could very well see Igor Shosturkin doing the same thing. And yeah. I think the re- the reason why he didn't start last night in that game against Ducks. By the way, I got to give credit to Alexander Georgiev. He had one of his better games in that comeback win. I know usually the Rangers haven't always played as hard behind him, but. To start him after he's been struggling, I think that sent a really good message by Gerard Gallant to give him another try. And not to mention, I also like it because you're resting Igor up for, I guess you'd call it the gauntlet of games ahead. Because absolutely, yeah, I'm have I have a feeling he's probably he might actually have to start back to back in the Tampa Bay and Carolina set. So yeah, I know that's I'm... something that Gallant really doesn't like to do, but you know, it, it, this is crunch time. The Rangers need a lot of these wins and. As I look at the standings, I believe we we should be pretty pretty close to where um to Pittsburgh. I think actually we're in we're in second place. We're tied with Pittsburgh for eighty one points, but they have the game at hand, and I think it's huge that they're in second because you want that home ice in the first round of the playoffs. Like regardless of how good Pittsburgh is, you want that home ice because as I mentioned, I've been going to a lot of these games and I can't wait to see them in the playoffs. Like. The more I go, the more the fans are absolutely loud and bringing it. And I haven't really seen something like that in MSG in like, I don't know, like three, four years. Cause like it's been, cause they've had some lean years, but not yeah. saying the fans have been bad. Cause like you always see Ranger fans there, but like now it's like having like a different type of energy. And I, I'm really excited for what's to come. Look, I'll say this. And as somebody who's been a Ranger fan, as somebody who's lived on Long Island for 25 years and going to, going to the garden for almost 10. Mm-hmm. I can tell you they they come out no matter no matter their record. You just you'll see it but you won't feel it. You won't hear it or you won't feel it. There's definitely though, I mean when they're good and you get a full crowd, I mean it is the be- it is a great feeling. I will say that. And they're the they are very loyal the Ranger fans and they'll be there at good times and bad. I, I will say that as somebody who was uh been there and seen it firsthand. If I'm being honest, I think the most loyal of the fan bases in New York, from what I've noticed from all the games I've been to, I would say it's the Rangers and the Giants. But that's 
that's just my opinion. I can go on a tangent about that any other time, but I think we've pretty much reached two hours of the show. We talked a lot about whether it be about March Madness, the NFL free agents. You had the return of Major League Baseball, which, again, the whole thing was kind of sour, but you know what? It is what it is. Yeah. And then you have a lot of interesting free agent stories. There will be more to come. I'm going to be pumping out more videos regarding MLB free agents, and I'm really excited to be doing that. And I can't wait to be starting up hitting for the cycle again very, very soon. I was getting pretty worried there, but you know what? <laughs> yeah. It happened. And Johnny, once again, I want to thank you for coming on and joining me with a lot of the other guys of Review and Preview having avail having problems with availability. So thank you again for picking up the slack. I, as always, I really appreciated you taking the time. And I really, I always enjoy talking sports with you, man. It's really fun. And you've done a lot for, for this brand over the years. Uh, thank you, Hank. And yes, I, I likewise, I, I appreciate that. And it's always a pleasure to come on and and uh, join you guys, and I feel like I'm back home. So it's a, it's a great feeling, and uh, it was good. It was great to be on with you again. Yeah, I know. I feel like I feel like you're pretty much Mariano Rivera. Like even though I know you, you <laughs> that's been, awesome. Even though I know you haven't like hosted like on a daily basis, it's like you're always there to like come out of the bullpen. Because as far as as far as I'm concerned, you're. I'm sure Tom will agree with me on this. You're still very much a part of the review and preview family. Oh, I thank you. I appreciate that. It's always, it always, it was my first home. It would always be my home. I mean, it's been 10 and a half years now, you know, I was reflecting on it the other day, going through some things. And I was like, wow, it's 10 and a half years ago that this show started and now it's become its own channel. I mean, and now it's on, on uh, all these other uh, networks and stuff. It's a great feeling. And I'm, I'm proud that I started and I'm happy that you guys have taken it into a, bigger role and i'm always happy to come back and help you guys out for sure yeah no we're we're slowly growing but eventually we will we'll oh get you're you're growing trust me there. you are absolutely no, i'm, I'm really i'm really one. happy listen if i i'm really happy and i believe in where we're going but folks don't forget if you want to help us grow further please don't forget to follow us on all of our social medias you can find us on facebook instagram and twitter at review preview sports and of course if you want to see all of our content on our YouTube channel, please don't forget to hit that big red button down below. Give us a like. Give us a comment. Give us your thoughts. We want to hear from you guys. But, of course, for John, Johnny Montalbano, I'll, I'm Hank and Dicker, and I will see you guys at a later episode. See ya.